2: Cause tonight we're gonna party like it's 2021 Boop beep, <laughs> Gotta sing it a little off so you don't have to pay for it Hey guys, Adam Ray here, welcome to the first About Last Night podcast of 2021 What a year 2020 was, huh? Can't be said enough, everyone's got their take, everyone's got their experience And, uh, and hopefully you learn from it, that's what I'm trying to take from this year I think we all, like any year, have ups and downs, right? So you got to focus on the positives and not just the negatives. Obviously, worldwide there were way more negatives. There, uh, even the deaths that occurred this year and uh, and some of the uh, tragic events just are under a bigger microscope because of uh, they're under the COVID umbrella, if you will, of uh, of negativity. And uh, and we got through it, you know, as as best you could. And um, I think. To learn from this year is what I'm trying to do, is to learn what did you do that you liked, what did you not do, like any year that you can reflect on and hopefully improve on, because that's all you're trying to do as a person, right? Be the best you can be. Be loving, be caring, be nice to people, live a good life, have some fun, make a difference if you can, you know? It was a great year for podcasts uh, about last night, no exception to that. Had a gangster list of guests and episodes that were just so fun. Uh, of course, it was my first year going solo uh, without my heterosexual life mate, Brad Williams. Um, but, uh, you know, in classic ALN fashion, had to end the year with the best of episodes because uh, they're just such a fun look back. And uh, and we had, again, so many amazing guests and conversations. So this will be part one of a two-part best of ALN 2020. And... Uh, and I'm excited to share with you guys. So, uh, so of course, um, be good to yourself in 2021. Be good to others. <clears throat> Work hard. You know, uh, try to hold a door for someone or an elevator if you see them running towards it. Say thanks if someone does it for you, because that's one of my pet peeves. People that don't say thank you when you hold a door for them. Hey, guess what? Fuck off. Don't fuck off. Be just, you know, but be better. Uh but uh this has been an exciting year and I'm excited for 2021 because the podcast has been picked up by a big network. And we are moving and shaking in the right direction in 2021 and I'm excited. Also Young Rock, the TV show I shot with The Rock in Australia, premieres in February on NBC, so make sure you check your local listings for that and uh and and get into that show and uh so hopefully we can get more seasons. Um I can't see how we won't. It's the Rock story and it's amazing. Um That's coming out. Some stand-up tour dates are starting to fill up on the calendar. Austin, Seattle, uh, Vegas, I think, again. Arizona, again. And some East Coast dates, for sure. So uh, check all that out at adamraycomedy.com. Follow me on Instagram at adamraycomedy, at adamraycomedy on Twitter. Of course, my new album, I'll Take It From Here. The All Crowdwork album is available everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Google Play, Amazon Music. I'll Take It From Here, the All Crowdwork album. Go get it now. And listen to it and love it and uh, again just get as many laughs in as you can and speaking of laughs I'm putting on a huge comedy show February 5th virtually this is one show I I can't stress enough that you should come to I've somehow pulled together a fucking all-star lineup of Dana Carvey Joel McHale Tom Lennon Adam Devine Eliza Schlesinger Ron Funches and uh, Sue Bird WNBA superstar and it's going to be games, stand-up, and just goofs. And all the proceeds go to benefit Seattle Food Banks. It's February 5th at 7 p.m. Uh, tickets at ticks.com slash events slash Adam-Ray. That's also uh, on my website and on my Instagram bio. Come out. It's uh, $15 tickets, and it's laughing for a good cause. So I can't stress that enough. Hopefully you come to that. Adam Ray Merch. Shop AdamRayMerch.com for all your Adam Ray hoodies, uh, beanies, T-shirts, shirts all your uh, Adam Ray accessories, buttons and mugs, Shop atomray.com, Get something special for a loved one and get excited because we're going to have a good year. By the way, after these Best Of episodes, Melissa McCarthy is our first back to guest episode. So get excited, get ready. But in the meantime, now that we got the tour dates, ticket info, uh, album info, Twitter handles, merch info out of the way, sit back, relax, and enjoy part one of the Best Of About Last Night 2020 with a bunch of amazing people And me, Adam Ray.
3: Hey, it's Herbert. Mm -hmm. And you're listening to the About Last Night podcast, you slippery little son of a bitch.
4: Mm -hmm. About Last Night.
2: Best of moment number one, it's my heterosexual life mate. Four foot four, packing in a ton of fun. Fun size, is special, and daddy issues on Showtime. Go check him out. You know him, you love him, it's my boy, Brad Williams. They always say live a life worth writing about. And even though a lot of things are shut down, there's still a lot of things, you can always go out of your way to create uh, experiences that will then uh, spawn into yeah. material. It's like, pick up a fucking instrument, pick up a fetish, uh, <laughs> pick up, pick up, <laughs> a feti- way, pick that, up. Brain-
5: that has to be a reality show. Pick up a fetish. <laughs> That's gotta be like, you know, it's like, so my, so my wife is obsessed with these shows where people are trying to find the right house for them. And I would love to do that kind of show, but instead of like couples going out and being like, do we want three bedroom, two bath, or four bedroom, but only one bath, but no backyard like that? Or or do we want do we want ass play, or do we want ball gag? Like <laughs> there's pros and cons to both. Like that, I I would watch oh. that show in a second, where a couple goes out and tries a bunch of fetishes to see which one their their new kink is gonna be yeah done
2: or maybe there's a wall a spinning wall of fetishes like fallon has for the impression (laughs) wheel and whatever it lands on they have to try it
5: by the way the spinner would not be an arrow it would be a midget wearing a leather bikini (laughs) oh my god
2: now i have to sell this show just so you can get employed
5: (laughs) i feel like that would be one of those things that like stefan from snl would talk about this place has everything. It has it has miginis. You're like, what's a migini? That's that thing where you have a midget in a bikini and you spin it
2: until they. I point thought it was. Off. I thought it was gonna be a midget in a bikini eating linguine.
5: Yes. Midget in a bikini eat, eat, eating linguine. It it happens when the beat drops and we all get covered in linguine sauce.
2: <laughs> oh my god yeah there's there is uh there is almost too much time for people to and that's the thing too when when i don't know if you've experienced this at all where you, you'll reach out to somebody and they get they don't get back to you with it and you're always so punctual and and you yes. always have been and getting back and but there's some people that i have exchanged messages with that get back like a week later and yeah. i'm like what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> There's literally nothing you can say unless I was dead and I just woke up.
5: Here, here's one thing this pandemic has taught me is that like, if anyone won't do your podcast right now, or if anyone doesn't get back to you right now, no. they, like you. they just don't like you. And, yeah. it, and it's okay. It's, it's fine. Okay. It's a lot if of people. Someone text, if someone doesn't text me back in a week ago, Oh, I've done something to piss this person off. They're not—they don't value talking to me. Yeah.
2: So, best of moment number two. This guy is a comedy sniper with a special out to lunch on YouTube right now, and countless uh, stand-up specials and late-night appearances. Go check him out and enjoy this moment with the very funny Mark Norman. Have you had uh, really young fans uh, reach out to you just with comedy questions or?
6: Uh, oh yeah. Oh, these kids are so bold. They'll be like, hey, here's my uh, hour special I filmed in my basement with my eight friends. Can you watch it and then give me notes and then, you know, blow me? And I'm like, wait, what? I, I, How would we get here? Like, you got to do the work there, kiddo. I can't do yeah. the work.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, what are what, Okay, lastly, before we get out of here, um, what – Did you uh, write
6: these down, these questions, or this is all off the noggin?
2: This is, I mean, things I think about, but also it's easy when, when you have – when I'm genuinely interested in somebody – it's easy to uh to chat so yeah man Come on. that's the answer but the last question this one is i did write this down uh what do you think is cooler to uh to cooler place to get a hand job an uber or a taxi that was Ooh. the only scripted
6: question today that's a good question that's a good question now am i paying for the uber or the taxi or am i just in one you're just is in one. an uber pool <laughs> If it's an uber pool then uh that's impressive to get that game that quick it's some chick you just met or dude yeah yeah hey, uh, hey. or is it is it me and the driver
2: <laughs> let's go uh let's go uh let's go uber black or um or one of those big taxi vans
6: <laughs> but again am i with a date or am i with I don't get the circumstance, but
2: yeah, you're right. This qu- is a bad question. Mark, what's your favorite instrument? No. Um, <laughs> what, uh, yeah. Okay. How about this? It's with a date and, um, and, uh, and she paid for, uh, she paid for the ride.
6: I'm going cab and I'll tell you why. Great. One, a cabbie doesn't have your information. I'll pay with cash. You know, you, you blow a load on that, on that back seat. You don't want that guy. He's got my DNA. I don't want to have my credit card info. So cab it is. Cab has got some anonymity to it. You know, plus there's a barrier between me and the, the Middle Eastern man. You know, he's got a piece of glass there. It's not the Uber guy can just, hey, 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 what are you doing? But the yeah. cabbie, he's got that. He's, he can't get through that that partition. <laughs> so uh, I'm definitely going cab. Throw a, throw a 20 at the guy and get the hell out of there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Also, there's a. Uh you know there's like fees like if you puke in the back of an uber there's a hundred dollar fee there's probably a jizz fee in a cab in a cab what's the fee a dirty look (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly too much eye contact on the way out or or
6: (laughs) maybe you'll get one of these you know on the way out but uh yeah the uber that's no good plus there goes your rating you get a jizz rating for that give me the cab any day
2: yeah okay Great. Well, I had other questions, but I think that's how we're going to end it. Best of moment number three: The Fonz, baby. I've known this guy for a long time. He's uh, c- considered arguably the the nicest guy in Hollywood, and uh, you see why in this clip. Funny, charming, and just a legend. Give it up for Henry Winkler.
3: You cannot depend on anybody else. And if there's somebody out there who's thinking about going into our industry, uh, just know that you are going to car- carve that path. And I didn't know how to do it either. You just go on your instinct, and you you keep plowing until you get where you wanna go.
2: That being said, can I borrow 50 grand? Yes, now it's and a business- From <laughs>
3: somebody else, but I'm sure that somebody is gonna give it to you.
2: <laughs> so you walked in with this bag of clothes and you go, you walked in and you beelined. It was a it was a, like a Sunday afternoon, not a lot of kids around, not a lot of fraternity chaos. You walked in, I'm you know, just meandering through the bottom floor of API. You walk right in, and I just go, holy shit. And up until this point, I have not met anybody who's been on TV. I met the local weatherman in Seattle, Steve Poole, when I was 10 at the aquarium.
3: Stevie. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what he knows about a clown. <laughs> I'm not kidding, I, I've always looked up to Stevie.
2: <laughs> he had a headshot on him that he signed for me, I'll never forget it. Right. Um, so you walk in, you go, excuse me. And I go, uh, uh, and you go, I'm Henry Winkler. I go, I-, I know, he goes, and you go, of course you do. And then you go, and then you go, <laughs> and then you gave me Max's clothes, and you go, my son Max lives here. I go, I love Max, everybody does, this is incredible. What What do you need? And you go, I need to get these clothes to him. And then you go, you seem like a trusting boy. You go, I feel like you've got kind eyes. You go, I feel like they'll get to the right place if I hand these to you. I go, Henry, I will guard these clothes with my life. And you go, not necessary. Just give them to Max. <laughs> yeah, just get
3: them Max. Take off. The bulletproof vest.
2: <laughs> so you hand them to me and then you pull them back and you go, You're not gonna do anything weird with these clothes, are you? And I go, Excuse me. And you go, We're in a fraternity. I know a lot of weird stuff happens. No defecation or anything will happen to these clothes. And I go, You have my word, nobody will shit on your son's clothes. And you go, Thank you. And you
3: handed me the clothes. And dude, it was and then and we talked story actually happened. Those words came out of my mouth. Yeah. Oh my and God. then I told
2: you that I was Consolver in the acting forever. Then I <laughs> incredibly and then and then I'm like, he's probably like this all the time with everybody. And then I tell you, I'm in the school. I don't school. use the
3: word defecation a lot. I save that for very special people.
2: <laughs> so honored. I told you I was in the acting school and then you couldn't have been more uh, your eyes lit up uh, extra. Um, and because, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think obviously you have a connection to uh, drama school and the grind. And um, you went out of your way to to give me a lot of- You know uh, what?
3: When I arrived here, I had a letter from an executive at uh, Fox, and I was supposed to call him and have a meeting with him. And I, like a dope, called once a week, twice a week, every week. The man never called me back, and I swore If I was able to create a space for myself here in Hollywood, I would never do that. So I wish I had someone who was a professional to talk to me when I was brand new.
2: Best of moment number four. She's a WNBA champ, an Olympic gold medalist, uh, college champ, high school champ, a gangster in the community in Seattle and all around the world, an inspiration and a role model. She's a WNBA superstar and legend and uh, plays on my hometown Seattle Storm team. in Seattle always. It's Sue Bird. If when you woke up and a song would have to start and a song would start playing, that would be the soundtrack for Sue Bird's day. What would that song be?
7: man um good question wop no
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes we're not accepting a different answer moving on <laughs> that's you're not gonna top that all right what's more fun <laughs> winning your fourth title or leaving the bubble and knowing you can go to the cheesecake factory
7: <laughs> Ooh, i do love a you know 90 page menu um <laughs> We're gonna go with winning a championship.
2: <laughs> yeah, also a good answer. That is correct. Um, all right, we're gonna close this out with guess the quote. Uh, I know you're. Um, you know, you've had some some pretty incredible quotes uh, over the years. I'm also a big quote guy. Uh, one of your quotes that I don't know if you remember saying it, but uh, I I think it's uh, a pretty stellar piece of uh, verbiage and something that is very uh, simple in the way it's. Said, but I think holds a lot of value. And you said, "Be kind, be nice to yourself." You miss a shot, it's okay. Do you remember saying that?
7: Yeah, kind of. But yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I've said it a lot.
2: Well, I think that that is a great quote because um, it's you know I think in the context of all that, uh, what was probably also being said was like you know, you know, you make a mistake, you move on you do it again. I mean, Chumba Wumba probably said it better. You get knocked down, you get up again. But I think, (laughs) I think what you were saying in that is, uh, is a, a very, um, pertinent thing that everybody should, um, hold to. Do you feel like you apply that to, uh, your own day-to-day?
7: I mean, not well enough, but I try.
2: Yes. I love that. Yeah. I mean, who really, it's so much easier to say the great quote than to actually uphold it.
7: Yeah, no, I do try though. I do remind myself of it.
2: Like, uh, you can be nice to yourself sometimes. Oh, man, I used to be, my mom used to say, I used to miss shots in games and just, you know, towards the end of my uh, high school career, when I started to really just, you know, become a, a better shooter, I'd have games where I'd have 25 points, but I'd miss two shots that were like, you know, could have been potential game swinging shots. Like, and that's
1: had 30. Hilarious. Oh,
2: hilarious. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. well, that's, that's just all I would think about. Yeah, for sure. The stats a little bit. But, but uh, yeah, there was a girl that I wanted to date that was like, I'm only dating you if you get 30 a game. And I was like, that matters. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So here's some quotes I'm going to read. And then I'm going to give you three potential options of uh, who said that quote. And you got to guess. First one is, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Who said that? Gino Ariema, Cher, or Tony Robbins?
7: Gino Ariama.
2: Tony Robbins. Oh. But it does sound like a Gino Ariema quote.
7: God. Like Tony Robbins in real life or in shallow hell. <laughs> Big fan of shallow hell.
2: great movie. You want to
7: banana hands? That's the best part.
2: Oh my God. Dang, That's... Tony
7: Robbins. Uh, I hope Coach Ariama doesn't hear this. Does, does he? Like uh... Tony Robbins. Huh? <laughs>
2: Did he have a lot of great quotes over the years? He seems like he was just a quote machine.
7: Can I give a good one real fast? Please. Okay. Man, probably not going to love that I'm saying this publicly. but So remember when those WWJD bracelets were really popular? Yes. (laughs) So I actually wasn't there for this, but it's like told around the world in the UConn family. So it was the final four. It's like a really intense moment. Back and forth, close game. Team calls a timeout. Everyone comes in the huddle. Everyone's waiting for him to talk. And he looks over at you know one of the girls wearing the bracelets and he goes, you wanna know what Jesus would do? He'd fucking rebound and run. <laughs>
8: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I mean, the-
7: top three. Is, he's had some good ones. Another girl, like she came down, she was all wild. He was like, stopped practice. He was like, you know, sometimes you're Michael Jordan and sometimes you're Michael Jackson. <laughs> Because she literally came down and would be like, oh, Like she was like wild with it. Sometimes, oh my Michael God. Jordan. Sometimes, Michael Jackson. <laughs> sometimes, he had another sometimes one. It was sometimes uh, you're Oscar Robinson. Sometimes you're Oscar Wiener. Like he had some good ones.
2: Dude. And and when you say shit like that, that's kind of funny in the moment, but you're not saying it to be funny and you're super serious, it's so tough as a player to not be like, yeah. uh, so <laughs> oh, not to laugh. Yeah.
7: So hard not to
2: talk. Did he just say you're not a hot dog? Um, All right, cool. That's great. Uh, Who said this quote? I might talk about killing people, but that doesn't mean I do it. Who said that? Brittany (laughs) Griner, Oprah, or Eminem? Eminem. Yeah, that's right.
7: I hope. I hope.
2: Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Uh, All right, last one. Robert Pattinson should not take back Kristen Stewart. She cheated on him like a dog and will do it again. Just watch. He can do much better. Who said that? Ira Banks, Diana Taurasi, or Donald J. Trump?
7: <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I think Trump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Which is fucking bonkers. <laughs> Tweeted that. Oh, my God. Best of moment number five. You know this guy, my brother from another mother, from Curb Your Enthusiasm, the Goldbergs, and everything else. It's the very funny Jeff Garland.
9: Oh, yeah. By the way, there are huggers that are, get the fuck out of (laughs)
2: here. By the way. You can, dude, you can have your week ruined by a bad hug.
9: I'm going to tell you when we're not on here, maybe the creepiest hugger of all time, and you'll go, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, Nope.
2: Is this not a is this not a curb? Uh,
9: <laughs> if I say no, said- I, no I, I I'll tell you I can't you know I can't say but it's somebody very yeah. well known that by the way this is a man and I got to tell you there wasn't a time that he hugged me that I didn't feel it was creepy.
2: Oh God! How do you not know that when you're the creepy hugger?
9: You don't know. It's a lot of times alcohol's involved.
2: You know what I was about to – (laughs) do? for sure, I was about to tell you that someone's going to send a message pitching you the creepy hugger, but I already remember an episode of Curb when somebody went up to Larry and wanted to confirm dinner uh, like a week out, and he he hugged Larry, and he goes, ah! Larry goes, God, he goes, what? He goes, our cheeks
10: touched.
9: (laughs) By the way, one of the things I love about Curb is there's no – there's no lessons learned. There's no hugging. It's like, it's like a whole other level from Seinfeld in terms of oh, – but yeah. Seinfeld was pretty consistent, too. Did you watch And I love that. I love Seinfeld. The unfortunate thing for me with Seinfeld was it was Thursday nights, and Thursday nights during its entire run, a lot of it – I lived in New York. Thursday nights was doing sets. There was no staying home on Thursday. That was the night? My, 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 my big night to stay home was Monday. Once I got, like when I first started, Monday was the open mic night in Florida at the comic strip. But as things wore on and when I moved to New York, Monday and usually Tuesday, because it gives you great energy to take a couple nights off. Because for years, by the way, years in my career, I would work 30 days straight and not think anything of it. Once I started taking a couple days off a week, I got funnier. Because you need that rest. Yeah. So I didn't really. I caught a lot of Seinfeld in syndication, uh, or on DVD. You know, I watched a lot of episodes on DVD because I was not home on Thursday. Right. So I would. The last show that was on on Thursday nights that I may have watched when it was first came on was Cheers. Like it. You know, because once I mean Thursday night when you're a comedian. That's work night. There is yeah. no, I don't know anybody who takes off Thursdays. It's, I mean, the real hardcore is Thursday through Sunday. Right. The other ones, depending on who you are and what your schedule. <laughs> but I would even do Tuesdays and Wednesdays and just take off Mondays. My favorite night, even to this day, to do stand up Sunday, right? Sunday. Every. Sunday yeah and, you know I did it at flappers for a long time I look forward to hopefully doing it again there
2: you're right there that's like it's such a great workout we just go up and riff for an hour maybe two of, of just play I mean it's so great and the audience uh, is people, coming there for you and they know it's different every time
9: but the audience has had a weekend to relax yeah yeah, yeah. so you I think, so think it's
2: tougher to get them to laugh then because of that because they're just so no no no
9: they're in such a good mood. They're a big bowl of groovy. If you
11: <laughs> they yeah.
9: they are ready for whatever adventure you take them on. Sunday night is magic. Saturday night, on the other hand, well, we know Fridays get in the early show because late show is going to be hard. Yeah, Friday late shows are the notorious hard. Thursday nights can be really good. People taking long weekends. Yeah, but see, Saturday night, the Saturday night is great, but it's not. And the reason being is everyone's weekend is defined by what they did on Saturday night. So there's a lot of pressure. That's why when you go up on Saturday night, you feel a tightness with the energy because that's their weekend It's better be good. So it can be great. And it also can be a ton of of pain. But the, the one night that is rarely, rarely bad. It's almost like the opposite of Friday late shows where people are tired and drunk. Right. Is Sunday night. Sunday night is filled with joy and calmness and Which is solo. such
2: a which is such a um, you know, I, I would venture to assume most comics, you know, when you do a weekend, Sunday is and I, I side with you, Sunday is one of my favorite nights because A, it's the last show of the weekend. If I'm doing weekend of shows, it's one show. It's probably my most exploratory, fun, riff filled it's it's our show
9: that it's artistic, i ever do. Man. It's artistic. It's a delight. That's and it. that's because people are filled with
2: joy and they're relaxed. There's, You feel a, a supportiveness from them, almost them being like, Without hey, someday, we shouldn't even be here right now. It's for whatever reason, like, you know, doing uh... I lost you. Yeah. Hold here. on. There you are. There we go. I lost you for a second. How do but you my think... audiences are supportive. Are... But, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to change topics, but your audiences are supportive regardless. Yeah. Which is yeah, but
9: <laughs> Sunday night, is like extra. It's yeah. so good.
2: Did, how much prep did you do for the, uh, the special before you laid it down? I know you were working quite a well, bit. Well, I did a few it.
9: things. One was I did a lot of sets at the improv, comedy store, Largo. Uh, Largo. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, the you did uh, a few road uh, gigs, right? I did. Prior to it, I did like five weeks on the road. But I just wanted to feel powerful. But I worked years on it. Yeah. I would yeah. say, nope, not doing it. I had it in my back pocket for years that I had a special. And then I finally do it. So I do two tapings that night. The first taping, not taping, it was digital. There's no tape anymore. And we stopped saying filming. I don't know what we call it anymore. Uh, but it was on to a memory card of some sort. It was yeah, yeah. Uh, uh 4K or 6K or 90K. Yeah, Anyhow, beautiful. um my first show was not tight and not tightly written but there were stories and there was an outline of the direction i wanted to take it and it went great so great i was thrilled i go up in the room and you know matt edgar helped me yeah, with this love Matty. i said to matt i go now comes fun time i go now i'm just gonna let it rip wow. and the second show which is my special the stories that I love, the direction is all there. But I improvise like I invented improvising. And it, I am thrilled. It's me at my most <laughs> powerful, at my most joyous. It captured me. I am so happy. That's I'm amazing. I'm so happy. I hope I get an opportunity to do another one, two, three, four of you them. You will. Hold on. But, but if I never do. that's There we go. It's, 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 it is what it is, you know, if yeah. I never do. But, um, plenty of time to make movies and TV shows, you know, in general. Uh, but comedy is very special. And by the way, I respect what we do as an art form and I have great respect for it. So I'm only going to do it in the right way. It's not about anything but that.
2: I hear you. <clears throat> yeah, you're, um, yeah, yeah, it's, I uh, you, uh, how do you think mimes are handling this?
9: They're not saying much. Wow,
2: should we go out on that?
9: <laughs> Up to you, but it was just too easy. That was a softball.
2: That was nothing. I, know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't know if you were gonna come back with anything. I didn't know if you were gonna address it because here's the great thing about you. Unexpected, spontaneous, consistently different, right? Which is a great uh, name for a special. But yeah. you, I didn't know if you were going to go, I see what you're doing, and minds are people too, and
9: actually give me an I'm answer. not going to say it like that, but I would say to you, where are you going with that? That's stupid. <laughs> I would, because I'm a, by the way, you know with me, our friendship is honest. I'm always going to be a straight shooter with you. Yeah. The only time you won't get the truth out of me, unless by some chance it is the truth, is if you make a movie and it's locked. <laughs> if you make a movie and it can't be edited and you go, what did you think? I fucking loved it. I loved it. You have to. You got no choice.
2: <laughs> there's nobody there, but there's somebody there. And I see you. Hey, guys, comedian Adam Ray here. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. I hope you're enjoying the episode and I hope you're doing OK. It's a crazy, crazy time right now. And if you're a little uneasy, I get that. And I've also got the answer. Koi CBD. Say it with me. Koi CBD. Feels good. And it does feel good because I use all their products. I've been fucking with the fellas at Koi CBD since my circumcision. And I'll tell you this much. They're the best in the game. Okay. Gummies, bath bombs, tinctures, joints, creams, oils. They got stuff for pets. Koi CBD has been giving the people what they need to feel better, to mellow out, to go to sleep right, to take away the aches and pains with the creams and oils. The bath bombs make bathing just the best thing ever. You get a little, a little radiation high from the from the bombs. I don't know what's in it, but fucking goodness and, and just all sorts of, it's amazing, okay? It feels like drugs. And it's not because it's CBD. So if you want to get these amazing products, and I know you do because I got the Adam Ray stamp of approval, go to KoiCBD.com and put in the code ALN15 to get 15% off your first order. KoiCBD.com, the promo code ALN15, get 15% off your first order. Do it today and start living and feeling the right way. And now back to the episode. Best of moment number six. Hey, take a look, it's in a book. You know this guy from Star Trek, Roots, Reading Rainbow. Can't believe we got him on the pod, and this whole episode is amazing. Go back and listen to it. Uh, or just enjoy this clip right now with LeVar Burton.
12: It feels like uh, books on tape and, and voiceover work was was something that that uh, I kind of fell into naturally. Yeah. Um, by the time I did MLK, I had been nominated for the Miles Davis autobiography. Wow. Um, And, and I had done several books on tape already. It's just, you know, I guess it's just a natural thing. You know, I'm, I'm obviously a a fan of the written word. And, um, and it just made sense to, to, to start doing that kind of work. Um, You take care of your
2: pipes too, huh?
12: I do. I, I, I do.
2: What's the secret? Because I'm a VO guy and, you know, obviously there's been some weed and tequila going down these uh, pipes <laughs> over the last uh, 25 years. Um, I'm actually but,
12: working. Know. I'm working with a vocal coach now. When when uh, COVID started, I was doing um, live readings on Twitter three times a week and oh, shit. I was afraid that I had done some damage to my voice and um, I went and got it. Uh, got a COVID test and got it scoped as soon as I, I could. And so there's nothing going on with the, with goodness, the vocal cords. They're great, but I'm, I'm learning how to, how to speak and talk without, um, without muscling the sound through. I have a tendency yes. to, to, to speak from a glottal, Stop. And, um, and having everything that I say supported on breath is something that I'm learning. I'm really I'm I'm unlearning 40 some odd years of bad habits. And it's been really it was really, really scary about a month or so ago. um, I was not sure that I was going to be able to do this. Um, but I'm, 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 ex- I'm actually experiencing some success now and I'm, I'm really, really excited for the, for the future because, uh, what I was doing, I, I, I understand was not sustainable. Sure. And, um, congrats, and so, man. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm going to be able to use my voice and to make a living with my voice, um, for a lot longer than I would have. So this was a, this was a, a pattern interruption for me that was really, um, necessary.
2: And the podcast, and you're doing the podcast, Levar Burton reads. Yeah, right? I'm doing that from,
12: from from the closet downstairs in the in the master. That's awesome. Um, and what yeah. uh,
2: what you're reading? Short stories. Short, short stories short fiction is, selected. is my jam. That's what yeah. I
12: do. I I say at the beginning of every episode, the only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, that's and awesome. I hope you will too.
2: Damn, you're so good with the foot, the just the fucking the setup, the button. I mean, dude, if you could make a coffee table book or teach a seminar on how to leave a room, we clearly know how. We clearly know that you know how to leave a Zoom, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, dude, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Do you enjoy uh, doing the podcast?
12: I love doing the podcast. Um, I really do because I, I, you know, when I was in the third grade, um, Mrs. Twigs. Uh, always grade remember grade. isn't that crazy Miss oh Robish
2: never forget that shit right yeah
12: Mrs. Twiggs was the first person outside of my family right to recognize that I had a talent mm-hmm. and I was the best reader in the third grade mm-hmm. class and and um, sometimes Mrs. Twiggs would after lunch go make herself a cup of tea in the teacher's lounge and she would give me a book and put me in front of the class and have me read uh, knowing that they would be they would still be in their seats when when she came back right um, so this is this has been a part of me loving to read aloud for for almost all of my life, and um, it just it's one of my favorite favorite forms of storytelling.
2: Have you ever read? Because again, your your pipes are just you know second to none. Do you uh, has have you ever done a spoken word reading of the Reading Rainbow theme song?
12: I have not.
2: Do you know the words?
12: Uh, God, I hope so.
2: Do you want to do it right now?
12: Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. The reading rainbow. I, now I'm going to Shatner. I can go anywhere.
2: A little walking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah friends to know
12: yeah ah ways, ways- <laughs> to grow, it's the reading rainbow
2: oh my
12: How, who doesn't love chris walken
2: dude I mean,
12: chris walken is god he really is it, i mean and an amazing song and dance man i'm just saying
2: yeah right another right. yeah yes. dude there's guys that have triple those threat. things
12: triple threat
2: triple in the threat. Hugh Jackman uh department yep. of guys that just yep. come out with these extra skills and you're like dude where was that yep exactly. uh is there a, is there a skill like that that you possess that people would be surprised to know first of all I'll tell you this much didn't know you were as quick as funny as you uh, uh, as you are <laughs> you're very you've got a comics mind man you yes and people don't know that
12: Kunt is funny mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Oh my God! All right, dude. Whatever your next album slash book is, <laughs> if that ain't the title,
12: <laughs> is that is that the title of my first of my first memoir? I Kunta mean, don't dude. know. People don't know that Kunta is funny.
2: You are, man. It's uh, you know, as a comic too. It's just like like I've gotten to know um, uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson right over mm-hmm. the past several mm-hmm. months. Another guy that just he's quick, you know he? very quick, and mm-hmm. just like yourself, man. I, and this is what I uh, get get juiced up for: are guys that just yes and and want to play out a bit and go on a little tangent, knowing uh, that you're going to get back to uh, to what you were talking about, whatever it was. Yeah, because true. that only is not uh, just a great quality for a person, but man, it's like for uh, for just conversations in life. Because I'm sure we both have had our fair share of get-togethers, family or or not, where you're in a circle with people and you're like. Man, I am just going to have to do all the heavy lifting on this, and uh, and and where's the licorice? Did they say there was licorice uh, nearby somewhere? You know, and find it an out for yourself. But yeah, have you gotten more into before we wrap this up uh, in doing uh, readings and just using the pipes more? Um, you know, more uh, impressed by certain voices, or do you listen to more things with a little more intent? Because oh, I have even, my
12: favorite. I, I certainly have my favorite voices. yeah. You know, yeah. Obviously, James Earl. Oh, right. Um, come on my friend lawrence fishburne has an amazing voice He's wow michael dorn um, yeah amazing voice jonathan frakes mm. and patrick stewart i think all of the all of the guys on on next gen um brent spiner i mean i think we all um we don't suck in 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 the voice department uh
2: well, yeah i would add levar burton to that list for right. sure um all right, dude. LeVar Burton reads the podcast wherever you get podcasts. That's your Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, you're you're great on Twitter, by the way. You're very very vocal. You're very active about everything that's going on. Which I uh, again, it's like I don't know if there's a, a responsibility there, but you um, you're using your platform uh, and your voice, man. And it's really uh, I know it's you know appreciated. That's why we're here. Yeah, that's man. Why we're here. Uh, and and two front war. Um, yes. Very when exciting. is that? Yeah, we'd give me, uh, give
12: we give you a background. We are we are working now, um, and um, it depends on how it goes with the the you know the world opening back up for travel. Um, I'm able to edit here um, in my house, and the editor's on the East Coast, but we're able to be you know in the same session at the same time. Um, but the interviews there there are a lot of of, of Vietnam vets. That I need to get out and um, and conduct these interviews. I'm actually going to be in the doc, which is unusual for a documentary. Yeah, but um, I I really feel like I'm I'm perfectly suited to tell this story. Um, I watched the Vietnam War um, when I was growing up on TV during the dinner hour, and um, and I have brothers and uh, uh, not well not blood brothers, but my brothers, mm. friends, close friends that I've grown up with that had had older brothers The draft ended um the year before i graduated from high school um and the war was over my first year of college so wow um i i i, I know i can tell this story yeah the story of so, black soldiers in vietnam
2: and so it's from what vets activists journalists students civilians yeah. right just all spanning yeah. the gamut right it's awesome Exactly. Uh, when is that coming out you have a
12: um if we're lucky 2021 but probably
2: 2022 cool yeah. uh well we'll uh we'll plug that or maybe get you back on best of moment number seven always hilarious always funny always silly specials books it's got a book out comedy sex god of course his show crashing on hbo is still uh one of my favorite uh depictions of stand-up out there go back and watch it and enjoy this moment with pete holmes
13: of course, if I was a woman, I, I've, I've done this on stage before. It, it never really worked. I would have called. I would want to have <laughs> been one of those women that like smoked a small cigar, yeah. and people called her abroad and she drinks like <laughs> Manhattan's, and just like an old timey girl with big
2: tattoos. And just oh like, yeah, she's like, "You yeah. ever seen an implant scar? Well, you're gonna." <laughs> and, and she she pulls her shirt to the side, and then goes, "Psych! It's gonna cost you."
13: Good uh, night, everybody, that is me. Don't you? <laughs> That is me. I'm not saying
2: that would be me. I'm saying that's who I am. Of course. Don't you think real quick there is something to, and I think this is my comic brain where I'm like, and this is how I think now. If you're going to, like if Trump is going to say person, woman, man, camera TV and brag about a dementia test, whatever that, and, and spend as much time like, and do the things that he's going to do and, and not, and, and own it then and it's silly and where i think the masses can regard it as like if someone's going to do something if i'm going to dress up if i'm going to wear just a condom and walk down hollywood boulevard and try to act like i'm on par from your with mom. from my mom <laughs> my boy it's the one i gave him that's all she would say she wouldn't say that i should stop and that i could be arrested she'd be like that was i gave him that and he's using you it for good. You
13: always wear a gift. When she comes over, you got to put on the gift. It's like wearing the Christmas sweater. You got to roll on that condom.
2: Oh, and my God. tell
13: her you're wearing it.
2: That's so funny, by the way, that I may need to add to the bit of, like, she. No, please. Like, it's the mom thing where you're, like, you need to kind of give her the uh, satisfaction that the gift went to good use. And, so of course, like, I
13: have to wear it when she comes
2: over. Yeah, I have to tell her when I put it on. You know, tell her how much the girl enjoy. You know, but so if I walk on Hollywood Boulevard and and act like I'm on par with the characters on Boulevard and try to take pictures with people, people should get to make fun of what I'm doing. So when I see someone boldly, bravely making out, viciously, aggressively yeah. on the third day of school, to me, I'm like, that's that's hunting seat. You're open for, of course, right? So that's how I viewed that. And uh, and also, and, I, but I mean, like, that that's what's so great about investigating thinking
13: is, like, he, you were jealous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what is both
2: sides of it? Like, what's percent. going on? Yeah.
13: Of course you were jealous. Get a room. I would have loved to get a room.
2: He should have looked get at me and been like this or grabbed her butt and looked at me and been like <laughs> – you don't yeah. get to do that. Yeah. And then I go, Is anyone in your mom's room right now?
13: That seems high school. What about you, your room,
2: kid? Oh, dude. It when seems
13: the... empty because you're here. Maybe we'll do it in your room. If you see two mummies making out, you go, Get a tomb.
5: Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh. whoa,
13: dude. If you see two Kevin Jameses making out, you go, Get a here comes the boom. <laughs>
2: Wait. If you see two, uh, wait. I see this. I need to fucking say it. If you see two uh, comics working out material uh, uh, in the mirror, you go, dude, get a zoom. Oh, there it is. Zoom show. Yeah. And then you have to. Yeah. Yeah.
13: Get a zoom. Or you just see two people talking about face masks in public. Get a zoom. (laughs) Yeah. Get a zoom.
2: Or, or people you see picking
13: a guy up in oh hell God. with a gun shooting demons, you go, get a doom.
2: <laughs> or, you see, <laughs> or you see people picking up the uh, lint off their uh, hardwood floors, you go, get a room, buh. I like it. You got to hit that buh hard, though. Otherwise, Micah <laughs> D'Annunzio is going to go, fuck you, Ray. <laughs> Stick the buh. You know what else you should be Stick grateful for buh. is
13: in high school you get the fun of being mad at somebody i know and he says get a room like you like really check in with yourself i know don't you love it don't you love that you get to say to your girlfriend too probably later and that guy says get a room To me like (laughs) You but, love it,
2: by the you way. You love it. Accurate voice for not knowing no. or hearing Micah Denunzio. Let's be honest. I know. I know the Denunzios.
13: <laughs> I went uh. to school with Scotty Denunzio. <laughs> Always making out in the hallway. Always. Also, don't make out at the six-point intersection of your high school. It's like know. making out on NBC. <laughs> Go into the hallway that's that stars. Go into the hallway that's Quibby. Go to the Quibby hallway.
2: Pete you're a goddamn gem You're a hero You're a savant You're one of my favorite people And you know what You're most people's favorite person And um, That's very sweet Best of moment number eight. (laughs) We always laugh till we cry. He's a Mad TV legend. He's a uh, comedy beast on stage. Always crushes. Always smart, articulate, and uh, and brings a, a fun perspective to goof around with. It's Aerie Spears.
14: I know I this dude. Um... You do a lot of those impressions with the face,
2: oh yeah, things on Instagram. Oh, yeah. dude. Yeah, and yeah. you
14: look like I mean, I mean, I know it's designed yeah, that yeah, way, yeah, but yeah. you na- you already have jet black hair, right? And, so for like Robert Downey Jr. or Pacino or something or like Pacino that. Something yeah. like oh, yeah. that <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah. ask, but then you just said it, so you're Jewish. Yeah, I thought you were Italian.
2: Yeah, I get that. I get that. I get. Um...
14: Can you do a kind of sort of Italian guy? Like oh yeah. Poster?
2: Oh yeah. Like I'll go out for. I mean, you know, th- especially in the past few years, like. Yeah, a lot of like New York cops or um, Okay, let
14: me, I want to have a little fun with you cuz cuz <laughs> yeah. when you when you say yeah. one of the new impressions I started doing was uh Tony Soprano. Oh, nice, so, dude. so just just, you know, it, I'm Tony, yeah. you're an Italian mafioso. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. let's have a conversation yeah. a little bit. Yeah.
2: Well, first of all, let me preface with, yes. never seen the Sopranos. Okay, this is it. <laughs>
14: Hand over your fucking man card with your nuts on top of them.
2: I want you to hand me your man card with your nuts on the card. Wait, but I've seen oh! but I've seen Love and Basketball 5 times in the theaters. Which one? Love and Basketball. That and was I've the seen one with- Scheng- Yeah, I was just trying to yeah, make it a joke. No. Other movies I've seen. No. And you <laughs> were trying to name Blackwood. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Italian and, and niggas are the same shit. So no. I dude, it it's on my it's dude, it's been on my pandemic oh, must-see. I know, man. Doing? I know, big bummer. Oh, I know, dude.
14: The Sopranos is the is the seventy two and ten bulls of of
2: drama shows. Well, now I've never heard it broken down like that, and that oh, makes me actually want to watch it more.
14: You it, got, you can't do that to yourself, brother. Really? Yes, yes. Yeah, man. That's that's man food. Oof. That's that's you could watch The Sopranos with your favorite meatball hoagie, slice of pizza, your burger with bacon. Oh
2: man, all oh. right. Oh, shit. All right. Well, how, well, all right. How about this? I'm a young Italian kid who hasn't okay. seen the Sopranos. Right. And you're Tony Soprano? Right. All right.
3: Hey, Tony. Eddie, you from the shop? You well,
14: know, sh- well, what the fuck is a shop kid? <laughs> Oh, God, you really sound like him. <laughs> uh, th- and I'm supposed to sound like people call me Anthony. Everybody knows me as Tony Soprano.
5: Oh, uh, you want me to call you Anthony or
14: Tony? Uh, no, you just call me Tony. Uh,
5: can I call you Anthony? Or, an- no, no, no.
14: Only my wife and my sister Janice calls me <laughs> oh, Anthony.
5: Oh, f- fair enough. Hey, so look, uh, uh so I'm, I'm auditioning. You know, I'm, I've been trying to get into acting, right? And Joe Pesci is
14: why like... You, wh- why, why you want to get in that business? It's a crazy fucking business. I was talking to Paul, Paulie and Uncle Esch. The other day, and I said, "Why do people want to get in the fucking entertainment? It's fucking crazy." Well, because
5: that's what the ladies, the, the, all, all the girls, I want, I want to, I want to smell the
3: pussy. I want to, I want to touch a titty at some I point in my life. I tell you what
14: you do. You want to smell the pussy? Come to the bar Bing. It's a lot of pussy to smell. Where's the Bada Bing? It's the Bada Bing. It's a strip club right off the Route one. Oh, I
3: wonder, does Daphne work there?
14: Who the fuck is Daphne?
3: My mom.
14: Oh, your mother, you should have said something about that. She gave me a blowjob the other day.
3: Oh, fucking amazing. That's my mom. My
14: kid
2: almost walked in. Met her with AJ. That's why she bought my backpack. <laughs>
14: <laughs>
2: yeah. Dude, that is fucking amazing. Thank you, sir.
14: Holy
15: shit. Thank you,
2: sir. How long have you been working on that?
14: Uh, you know, as much as I'm a soprano whore, I never even tried it.
2: I was going to say, like, are you watching this? Because, like, when you see Cosby, right. that's in That's a voice that's very impressionable, right? right? You hear it, you're just like, I want to do that, even if I don't even know I can mimic it. You
14: know, the thing about the Rudy, (laughs) you've
2: got the children, you see, the
14: Rudy, the Theo, the Vanessa, and the Clara was the wife, you see. (laughs) When you grow up in the place that you grow, see, I came up in Philly. When niggas were dealing drugs and the prostitution and the people that did all. I never thought at all my time but see a Jewish guy from Seattle who hadn't seen The Sopranos. Theo! But the thing is, as a Jewish man, if you would have went to prison for the roofies, you'd have got out with a plea deal. <laughs> they locked my black ass fuck
6: up.
2: But you know what it was, dude? I... The way you hit <laughs> plea deal, dude. <laughs> yeah, with a <the> plea deal. <laughs> Best of moment number nine, a rising superstar in the stand-up world. With her Netflix special, Quarter Life Crisis, out right now. Go check it out and enjoy Taylor Tomlinson.
16: Dustin and I always talk about um, the fact that there's nothing sadder than Christmas decorations in airports (laughs) when you're on the road. Like, you know when you're on the road the weekend before Christmas? Yes. And you're about to get, you're gonna get home like Christmas Eve Eve. And you're just, like, trudging through the Atlanta airport to get to a connection. And Christmas and is just, just in
2: your face. Yeah.
16: Oh, it just wreaths everywhere. Everybody's running up to their families with signs. And you're like, I got to go play the funny bone. Like, you know, you're just... Yeah. It's so dark.
2: You see so, every scene from Love Actually playing out yes. live in front of you. You see people comedically slipping on eggnog, but still making their <laughs> flights, and you're like, I can't <laughs> deal because th- I'm not living what you're living. I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah.
16: yeah. I put up my tree the second I got home, and I did it by myself. Could you? And it was it was a little sad. It was like so efficient. Which was a bummer. Like the last time, I didn't put up a Christmas tree last year. Because I was just on the road. I was on the road every weekend and I was too busy. So I was just like, whatever, I'm not going to put one up. The year before that, I put one up. uh, But I was living with somebody and it was like a big reveal. Like, look, I put the Christmas tree up. So like last year, I just skipped it. And I don't know if you saw this but like when lockdown hit in march did you see a lot of people posting like maybe we should just put up christmas lights because everything's so sad yes and i was like this close to doing that in like march and april because i was like this is a bummer and christmas lights would be fun especially when it was like so rainy like that first week or two in L in la at least i was like christmas lights would be fun um, but i was quarantining i was quarantining with sam who uh is a jewish guy who doesn't like christmas so i was he like doesn't going like christmas not gonna do anything for you he doesn't he doesn't celebrate christmas well so he, he's he's like he's genuinely jewish which great. is coming to cbs tuesday nights you genuinely beat me to jewish. it
2: you beat me to it <laughs> and i and you know what normally a jew should should make the jew sitcom joke but you <laughs> but you made a comment earlier about your timing being off and I wanted you to have that how did that feel
15: thank you I'm sorry
2: (laughs) no oh yeah oh my god you (laughs) said that with genuine (laughs) sincerity I'm sorry you should (laughs) have said the Jew TV joke that's so fucked up best of moment number 10 I fucking love this guy Impractical Joker star Misery Index host star uh he's got two new podcasts out taste buds and hey babe uh which you got to go check out and uh i just love this guy so much and we always have a great time enjoy mr sal Volcano. i don't know
17: what extends but extends wasn't supposed to be a viagra it was wasn't it was it supposed to be a viagra
2: oh yeah it was supposed to extend it was supposed to oh i thought it was like extend and and sensual that's why i think we're the combo of words x you know uh,
17: oh i thought it was like like you have like i thought it was like touting itself as like it'll make you bigger yeah bigger i think bigger and longer was the was the push no but no but not just not just like like if you take a viagra i thought it was like i thought they were like this is a magic pill that's gonna give you
2: an extra whatever you need oh so oh so so like some jack in the beanstalk like one little thing and then all of a sudden two more inches the next morning well it said it says extend right extend <laughs> the night <laughs>
17: <laughs> oh extend the night there that's it what it was yeah
2: baby they just wanted to give you that extend extra little push the night when you're when it's fucking third and eight and you're on you know you're on the five yard line the
17: night well my point was was that i thought it was insane that the national spokesperson for extends was jimmy johnson yeah of the dallas cowboys yeah Oh, yeah. I was like, first of all, this guy is in a Super Bowl winning quarterback of, of America's franchise. I know, man. How much did they pay him oh, to sh- tell other people to extend their night?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, dude. He just is that generous, and he's like, "Hey, man, I care about the sexual no, you, escapades." You gotta, you gotta pay me, the modern man. If you yeah. want,
17: if you want me to be like. I needed help extending the night, and now I'm here to tell you, <laughs> you're just like me, I'm just like you, you gotta pay me.
2: How much money, and that's a great question, Sal, how much money does it take to get you to admit publicly your sexual inadequacies?
17: It's a great question. Let me just pour a glass of whiskey and let's, <laughs> let's get into it.
2: And let me just drink some cold brew that hopefully takes my high up a notch.
17: <laughs> you, know, I, uh, you know, it's quarantine, yeah. and uh, I've been dabbling. Yeah. It's as you know, we, we have, we've had a nice... We've had a, a few ni- a fun nights together. Oh, man. There was man. one time we got... Do you remember the Chappelle... Oh, Like, uh, the SNL Chappelle? Was it Chappelle? No, it was, it was Chappelle Radio
2: City, man. It was Chappelle and uh, the... Oh, the Radio uh, City, yeah. Kendrick Lamar at Radio City. And we went to the after party, and then another party. And then... Yeah, that was bonkers, man. I mean, it was... And then... I think we got so high that night that the next morning, I think I texted you, I go, I fucking was at this hotel I was staying at and I wish, I I think I have a picture of the receipt somewhere. I signed my name on a receipt for coffee and I looked down and I had signed like, like Torben Maxwell. Like it was a completely different signature and I, and the person looked at it which made me then look at it too and and they were like, that doesn't look like your signature and I was like, Oh, I thought I just wrote that and they're like, "This is what you wrote." I'm showing you what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I guess I just saw that moment differently." So, and then I texted you. I was like, "Hey man, <laughs> like it, you, I'm going to take a picture
17: of it." Yeah. oh, that was such a fun night. And then how well, about
2: how about after Oh, go ahead. No, no, go, go. I was going to say after Gotham when you had just gotten into your place and uh yes. and I, and I was like, "Hey, it's a little bit oh, of yes. a trek out here, but I was like, "Hey man, I don't know when I'm Coming back and like it's only it was a time of night where it would have been a little you power moved it, dude. I give you credit to this day
17: (laughs) because it was like midnight and you're like effing. I'm coming by, yeah, dude.
2: And it was and you know what? There's a great hang to be had between midnight and 4 a.m. I agree, and it's like you just got to be willing to get there, and if you can get there physically. And uh, you know, just- I used to do it. It used to be like,
17: that used to be like no break. like you could do it. Now I have to get there, you're right.
2: Yeah, you gotta, it's, you've got, there's gotta be some day prep. Like you gotta make sure that you didn't do the spa. I gotta eat clean
17: for a week. I gotta do a little cardio. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, but, but dude, uh, no, we, yeah. yeah, we had a good time. And you're I mean, you just got all the fun stuff and uh I mean, it was there's like stations at your at your spot. So it was like <laughs> we were upstairs, then downstairs for some games, then over to the the kitchen for some snacks and some treats and some beverages. You
17: actually have uh you got you're, you're the kindest and the best dude, man. You got me. You've got me so <laughs> many amazing gifts, like really good ones, man, like ones I love. Uh but you sent me the the like that gumball and candy machine, like the oh. old-fashioned one. Oh yeah. That is, it's at it's in my like foyer my entryway wow and i have a bowl of quarters on it and every single person who comes in or out of my house on the way in on the way out they always hit it up and every time they do i go shout out adam ray
2: are you <laughs> fucking kidding me <laughs> dude that because guess what man i've given some gifts not like that because it's like i think i assess the person i assess the pad once i was there i was like it's not like i walked out and was like you know, immediately thought, yeah, cool fucking house. Doesn't have a gumball machine, you know. but uh <laughs> Best of moment number 11. Arguably one of the best comics in the game. You can ask that about. Uh, ask that uh, anybody will say that uh, from last comic standing. His specials, his albums. Look him up. Find him. Follow him. He's one of the best in the game. And he crushes this episode of the About Last Night podcast. It's my boy Chris Porter. And then there'll be advertisements now on them. The way that if you're just talking about, like, you know who's probably got a huge wang? Hall and Oates, And then all of a sudden, you want to go see Hall and Oates live? will pop up yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, oh, for sure. And then it'll be like, you want a fucking bigger cock? And you're like, this Facebook's truly listening.
4: I know. I have friends that will literally, while you're in the bathroom, will take your phone and just go anal beads, anal beads, anal beads, <laughs> anal beads into the microphone. And then you're just flipping through Instagram. I'm like, what the fuck happened? Yeah,
2: or you're at Thanksgiving and pulling up some photos on AirPlay on your mom's TV. And all of a sudden, it's just like ad for... For days of beats. And your uncle's like, Dud, those are terrible. <laughs> yeah. Those
4: we had to go to the hospital with those. Remember that, Jim? They're
2: supposed to glow in the dark. Heads up, they don't.
4: Not not after the first time anyway. <laughs> Granted, you know, it was Taco Tuesday. We it was poorly planned on our yeah, on our yeah. part, but uh, thank God for rubber sheets. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
2: Who, by the way, is not poorly planning when anal beads are involved? I feel like there's never a, like, the whatever the excursion or event was that that the beads were, uh, were designed around is never going to end without somebody being like, do you know where he is? Or where she, like, somebody's getting lost. Or, you know, someone's getting accused of murder. I just feel like anal beads has a lot of negative connotations. And I say this, by the way. Not ever uh, have
4: you experimented having with experimented them?
2: Experimented with them, but also this COVID's getting me a lot closer to just throwing caution to the wind on so, all fronts.
4: See, on my on my experience, most of the time when people talk about anal beads, it's been a positive experience.
2: Oh shit, do tell. Yeah,
4: but again, I'm not from Seattle, no, so I don't not. know. I feel like when the days are grayer, darker <laughs> things happen.
2: Well, people skip from beads, I think, to uh, to suicide probably a lot quicker. Yeah. Uh, if the days get too dark up in the Northwest. But also... But also,
4: know- if you're thinking about suicide, try anal beats. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what was missing.
2: <laughs> There's no better uh, <laughs> commercial. Just, I
4: mean, because if you're going to end it, you might as well knock it off your list. I wonder how much...
2: Yeah, that would... I mean, when I've had some dark days, and not, you know, heading down that track, but but really being like, what can pick me up out of my gloom? Mm-hmm. I'm usually like... You know, exercise, music, work even. Um, but anal beads is probably at least 30 things down the list. But, but as long as it's there. <laughs> is there is their motto? Yeah. <laughs> before suicide. That's what anal beats, the guy who came up with them, goes, dude, people aren't going to go out of the way to get these. <laughs> but knowing they can get them. Yeah. And knowing that it's something that they can do before they kill themselves, is all we want to be known for. For sure. We're
4: like a seatbelt cutter. You're probably not going to use us. But man, if you need us, you're going to be glad you had us. What if about five (laughs) review pages deep, there's a (laughs) testimonial like I was on the brink, bro. (laughs) It was just me and the My Chemical Romance box set, and I thought I was going to end it, and yeah. then I tried anal beads.
2: And then my friend Cheryl came over. Oh, yeah, with, uh... and now I'm back
4: with my band.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, all the good things that come from it, aside from just keeping your heart beating.
4: Yeah, it's just, man.
2: Got a haircut.
4: I just have a new anal bead perspective on life. <laughs> where it's just like life is
2: great now how many can you and for the viewers at home we will transition to other topics of convo but
4: but if you're gonna talk about anal beads you should open with it
2: (laughs) and also peel back all the layers
4: yeah because what's gonna lead into that and
2: also what there's just you're doing yourself a disservice to not i think about it too like if you are at a uh you know, a social gathering or a barbecue that you weren't invited to, and you're the plus one, and you find yourself in a, you know, and you're real good at this, where you can just chum it up with anyone about anything, and let's say the conversation leads heavily towards beads. Right. Who's going to be the first, but we're talking like, I'm talking arts and crafts beads. Oh, okay. Who's going to be the first one to be like, because I feel like, I would venture to assume nine out of ten people hear the word beads, and again, this sounds like the guy who created the company, when they hear beads, they immediately go anal, and then you know someone's going to play devil's advocate and and go, well, no, there's. I think they're probably thinking of like necklaces and like. But both are equally as weird. Yeah, that's the problem.
4: Like yeah, yeah. the people that deal in beads definitely shove stuff up their buttholes. <laughs> Like, they're always, like, friends. the hippy-dippy. <laughs> yeah. They've definitely been to, like, six Bonaroos.
2: Yeah, six. <laughs>
4: they, follow, couple, uh, they follow Dead & Co. They're they not to- happy about Mayor, but they're <laughs> dealing with it.
2: Hey, guys. Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast. Hope you're enjoying this episode. Obviously, it's a very difficult time for everyone right now. We're all uh, challenged in finding a day-to-day routine that uh, that makes our lives uh, consistent and awesome. And if there's something that's interfering with your happiness right now or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Uh, BetterHelp is a professional counseling service online, private, and it's so convenient. Um, I've used it for a little bit now. It's truly the only way uh, that I've found uh, to help get uh, my own issues dealt with on my own time Uh, At my own pace, you can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your licensed professional counselor right now. They're specialized in depression, anger, stress, anxiety, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief or relationships, uh, sleeping, which I have a lot of uh, trouble with, trauma, self-esteem. Anything that you share with them is confidential. And guess what? If you're not happy with your counselor, for any reason, at any time, you can request a new one for no additional charge. There's 3,000 U.S.-licensed therapists across all 50 states, available worldwide. And again, there's four ways to communicate with them. Text, chat, phone, and video. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's available on any desktop, mobile web, Android, and iOS apps. Schedule a video or phone session, generally weekly, unless your therapist schedules more. Uh, Unless you just start... Really not sleeping and need to get some uh, some, some additional chats in. Uh, there's broad expertise in the network, which may not uh, which may not be locally available in many areas. Financial aid is available for those who qualify. It's secure, it's convenient, it's professional, and above all, it's affordable. All right, it's truly the most affordable option I found. So right now all ALN listeners are going to get 10% off your first month with a discount code about last night so why not get started today and start making some changes for the better in your life you deserve it so go to betterhelp.com slash about last night simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor that you'll love that's betterhelp.com slash about last night betterhelp.com slash about last night and get 10% off your first month with promo code about last night and now back to the episode Best of moment number 12. Holy shit. Scooby-Doo. I know what you did last summer. Summer catch. She's all that. Uh, And now this guy's got a huge following in the gaming and wrestling world and uh, has become a good buddy of mine and and just brings it every time. And this is one of my favorite moments of the year. Give it up for Freddie Prince Jr. Look, we know you love wrestling. You're uh, heavily attached. Um, uh, Now I'm somewhat in the world. If you could become a professional wrestler and only these characters were available, Freddie, which of these would you choose? Danny Dillow, Raymond the Master Milkman, Barry Backfat, Vending Machine, Oh god, or Jack the Meancock.
8: Okay, I know you want me to go Jack the Meancock, all right? <laughs> hey, dude, it's your world. Now, if if I got it. to pick my own, I would be a luchador, so I would have to go with Barry Backfat. However, <laughs> there's a local wrestling show, indie show here in LA called Wrestling Pro Wrestling that does comedy costume centric wrestling where they literally have a guy named chow mein charlie who's a giant box of takeout chinese food wrestling like barbecue pork who's just a spare rib and they wrestle and they can't do any moves obviously because their arms barely fit out of this giant box but it's hysterical so i'm going with the vending machine guy even though the screen's gone i don't remember his name because then i could be the wrestling pro wrestling champion take down chow mein charlie and dominate wpw what wow dude well do you have a catchphrase if you were a vending machine Yeah, it would be, keep the
15: change.
18: (laughs) Just
2: like that, too. Dude, that is unbelievable. Uh, What what is, oh, okay, last one, Freddie. This is the last one. Okay. Great answer. Uh, You're a big gamer. If these were actual games, I want to know from which of these games, what you have to do to beat these games. First one up. Fish fuck 2,000.
8: <laughs> okay. Now you see the size oh, wait, of that yeah, mouth. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, wait, wait. oh yeah. Gauge one time. All right. So here we go. So fish fuck 2,000. Okay. Not only do you have to catch the fish, but the size of that mouth is the exact size necessary to be <laughs> fucked. <laughs> the, the, the correct answer. Next one. <laughs> alien cock block. All right. This is a more serious one because you and the alien are actually friends. Or so you think this game is more like leisure suit Larry from back in the 80s. And every time you're about to seal the deal, the alien comes in and instead of cock blocking, just bites the head off the person you're trying to play. I played that game. <laughs> Next one, double bubble butt. Okay, this is a big shout out to um, uh, Kojima, Hideki Kojima. Um, in the last Metal Gear, for whatever reason, in the opening segment, he put you in a hospital gown and you just had to stare at Solid Snakes, sweet ass, for the first, like, ten minutes of the game for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. So, apparently, he's back. He made up with uh, with uh, whatever company that was that made the game, and he's not only going to give you one naked ass, but two. <laughs> so, I'm going to take a pass. And the last one, Hitler Schmidtler. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> the- this is a throwback. This game has been out for a while. You can get it on Game Pass on Xbox, and it's kind of a throwback to the 16-bit, 32-bit yeah. Yeah. kind of games. They went with the Doom vibe, only this one, all the enemies are Hitler, and your <laughs> weapon is called the Schmittler. And so you just go, when you shoot, it, just goes, Schmitt, 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 And you just work hundreds of Hitlers, couple couple Heimlers in there too, but Hitler's the main guy.
2: <laughs> oh, you gave me that good, deep Josh Wolf fucking smoky laugh. Oh, man. <laughs> That's dude, the rare one. That's a rare one, dude. Those answers were amazing, uh, Freddie. You're the you're a fucking gangster, dude. I love, love you, you, man. Bro. Best of moment number thirteen. I love this girl so much. One of my favorite comics working. She was a writer on uh, HBO's Crashing. She's got numerous specials, Netflix specials, Comedy Central half hours, albums. Her new HBO Max special, Girl Daddy, is crushing it and available to stream now. And this episode's uh, definitely one of my favorite of the years. We just laughed the whole time. Give it up for my friend, the hilarious Beth Stelling. I met him at the Comedy Store once. And mm. I'm sorry. Wow. Big bummer. I'm getting my 90s R&B guys mixed up. I put Keith Sweat and Brian McKnight in oh, the same Oh, okay. Boat. You
11: met Brian McKnight? Yeah, at the Comedy Store. I was on a store. flight with him once. And I was just like...
2: We'll Ahhh. be right back with whose Brian McKnight <laughs> story's better. Wait, what? No,
11: your your story's better because I just kind of on admired him. On the Flight him. Psalm? Yeah, I just he, many... he came on with a with with a woman, and I was like, "Oh
2: my god!" Did you start singing the song in your head?
11: No, but well, I, I have do done that, that before on accident. Through, through.
2: That would have been great.
11: I can help you get that bag. <laughs> <three>. <laughs> uh, excuse me, I have to pee,
17: but yeah. I'll bring you back some diet yeah. he
2: He uh, he crushed it for that era of. Music, absolutely, and probably still crushing it. I think there was a video a little bit ago that he was on some sort of one of the COVID relief concerts. Even and I was like, yeah, why not throw him in this mix? He's
11: yeah.
2: uh, provided us with enough hits.
11: And how? And and to me, sometimes yes. People's voices change, I guess, over time. But some yeah. people's just will always have it the rest of their life. Oh, yeah. Like
2: I think he takes Aretha, care of the
11: pipes. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be people who always have you say it. You said urethra? <laughs> Aretha. Oh, I swear Did to I, God. I could have possibly said urethra. I said, <laughs> you
2: said urethra, and I was like, I do not know the current artists. You know when you watch an MTV Video Music Awards and they're like, we'll be right back with Baxter Schwimmy," And, you know, he's like, and it's some kid with a sideways hat being like, Nick Carter can suck on these nuts. And they're like, you're throwing shade at Nick Carter? I'm, I'm tuning in. (laughs) Uh, How many, by the way, I saw that guy on the plane stories, do you think? Because literally just coming back from Seattle, Dennis Quaid was on our flight.
11: Oh, my gosh.
2: And uh, they, I think, had misplaced his guitar after, so I got to watch like a whole, I felt like I was watching TMZ before it's aired, where he was like, (sighs) my guitar and that's not Dennis Quaid (laughs) but I think I actually got the head cock yeah a little little bit because he always kind of walks and even all his movies he's always kind of
11: swag yeah just
2: kind of a little bit of
11: that yeah
2: and he was and then some guy was like you know people at the baggage claim were staring a little too obviously and I was like just let the guy live his life
11: I was gonna say like look some people would lose their minds at that yeah they lost something but I guess he's always dealing with like this could be videotaped and
2: for sure. And like, I think he was keeping his cool, but he's walking by baggage claim and some guy goes, he pulls out his phone. And I almost want to be like, I almost want to slap it out of the guy's hand because I was like, he's perturbed about
11: something. Yeah, dude. let him be. Let
2: him be. And he walks by and he and they, and I think Quade even like looks down and sees the phone. And then the guy goes, Mr. Quade, any any uh, any uh, movies coming out soon? He's like, we'll still have to see. He's like, oh, done. He goes, we'll have to see when they come out and kind of smiled and gave him a little moment and I was like okay cool like All he gave right. you gave you some. put the yeah, phone away yeah maybe it
11: would you don't know how certain celebrities operate some of them actually like need it you yeah. know so maybe that switched his mood to a good mood yeah and maybe
2: it would have been great if the guy was like if you uh, come over here and look into the camera way, say that I'll tell you where your guitar is <laughs> huh um, but
11: <laughs> grips him by the throat
2: <laughs> best of moment number 14 you know him from Las Vegas from when in Rome uh, so many rom-coms, TV shows. His new movie out, Buddy Games, that he wrote and directed with an all-star cast of uh, Kevin Dillon, uh, Dan Backendale, uh, Nick Swartzen, Olivia Munn. is out right now streaming uh, on Amazon. <clears throat> and uh, and he's a fucking, you know, ladies would might call him a sex pot, a sex bod, a sex god. Anyway, women want to fuck him, guys want to be friends with him. Give it up for the very funny Josh Duhamel.
19: I actually got the job in L.A. and had to move to New York for those three years. Gotcha. And then moved back, uh, you know, beat the streets again for another year, year and a half. And then I got Las Vegas. Um, and then. Uh,
2: and you guys shot that back. in Vegas, right?
19: No, no. We shot that in L.A. Oh, really? Uh-huh. We just Dude. built a giant set over on the sound stages in, uh, at, at uh, Culver Studios. Uh,
2: that show ruled uh Khan to me is like one of those guys that people sleep on and i can't only imagine the stories the wisdom the oh, yeah. fucking what it's even like to look across from that guy in a scene i mean yeah. do you have any just jc jd fucking tales from the strip
19: oh god i've got so many he was he was truly he'll go down as the, the guy that taught me more than anybody about not only acting but about you know the business and by the way not just what to do but what not to do and he would be the first one to say he's like don't fucking follow in my footsteps but here come here and every time we do a scene and 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 he didn't think I was doing it right he'd be like and I always knew it he's like Josh come here for a second I'm like oh shit here we go (laughs) so he'd take me aside and be like you need to let loose you need to like do this or that and I was like okay 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 but I took it because this is this is Sonny Corleone this is Come on. This is uh, this guy's done everything in this business. And I still, I still keep in touch with that guy. And I love him. He's a, he's, he's one of those guys that just, he lives, he lives. He's a purist, you know, he, 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 he acts before he thinks he doesn't, he does nothing. You know, you don't have to worry about him like mincing words about anything. and, And I love that about that. I like that about anybody who's, who's got the balls to live their life that way. Um, but yeah, he, he, there's some, there's some, there's some gems, man. I remember my first date with, with, I was going on my first date with Fergie back in 2004. Yeah, I was like, Jimmy, I'm going on a date with this girl. I like her. You know what am I? What do I do? He's like, come here. First of all, he goes, take her to this restaurant. But before you do that, you got to jerk off first before you go to the restaurant. <laughs>
2: You're like it's only an Olive Garden. You're like no, no. He tells
19: me to spank it before I go on the date because that'll relax me. (laughs) So I hope you all horned up at the date,
2: (laughs) dude. That is fucking phenomenal advice. By the way, you're probably like thinking he's maybe gonna give you some like really big, you know, like dude. Here's the thing: like take like pick her up, make sure you got like find out what type of music she's into. Maybe have that song playing in the car when you pick her up. He's like, no, dude. Just find a dark corner in your house. Turn on the the lights so you can really hear yourself and just empty the tank. (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. That's fucking amazing. Best of moment number 15, Seattle Seahawks tight end, former Carolina Panther tight end, Going to be in the NFL Hall of Fame. One of the funniest athletes I think I've ever talked to and uh, just all around good guys. It's Greg Olson. Wait, are you one of these guys that's just like, I wake up with just a genuine zest for life? No, I wake up tired of shit. I just suck <laughs> it up. <laughs>
20: I wake up tired and I just say, I suck it Let's up. Go. Let's go. Yeah. I, I, I've never. Wait, how my come? Wife, my wife is just like a coffee fiend.
2: Yeah, so she's loving it here. Oh, because there's so many mom-pa places, dude. She'd I could go to a different
20: you... coffee shop every day of her life if she couldn't.
2: That's amazing. There's a, but, uh, quite a few yeah. I, I should tell you about that you could point yeah, in the right she, direction. She'd love it. it.
20: But, uh, but anyway, so you know what's funny about the beard is I've never been a beard guy. Like I'm not purposely a beard guy. I just sometimes don't shave and it gets a little scruffy. Yeah. The year we went to the Super Bowl, I was like, screw it. I'm not going to shave until we lose a game. And it was Christmas and we hadn't lost. We were 14-0. I was like, all right, I'm riding it out now. And my beard got long. So now fast forward, like the last five years, anytime I don't have a beard, people are like, oh, you shaved? I'm like, I had a beard for four (laughs) months. I'm 35 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people only know me as having a beard. So I'm like, I got to start shaving more. Yeah. Because I don't typically have a beard. It's just more people must have seen me. Yeah,
2: you're on such a, uh, probably, I mean, a big stage. Yeah, we are rolling.
20: I guess, I guess. But uh, I'm identified as a beard guy. So when I don't (laughs) have a beard, people are like, you shaved,
2: yeah it is weird. I remember the first time my dad shaved his mustache. I was like, "What'd you do uh, with my father yeah, it's you know Who my are daughter
20: you? my daughter cried <laughs> like cried wouldn't come near me wouldn't like wouldn't that's
2: real uh, it's real yeah it's there's, real. They, they like don't recognize they just get so accustomed to being yeah, like was, I bet also kids like you know, there's you know there's so much grabbing yeah, and pulling you can do yeah. with that she uh she was like beside herself, devastated but wow. yeah so uh. You could have walked out and been like, see a family and should have been like, as long as you, as long as, as long as you grow that beard out and walk out, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who uh, you are, weirdo. Yeah. Uh, real quick. I want to do a quick, uh, just, you know, again, uh, a, a Seattle get to know you, 10 question quarantine, uh, just quick rapid fire. Cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. And thanks for doing this, by the way, dude. You got You're it. a fucking beast. Glad you're here. Um, oh, and your podcast, TE1 podcast, right? Yeah. I got to plug that. Got to plug that. Where can people get that? Everywhere podcasts are everywhere. Podcasts are available. You know the lines. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Yeah, all audio platforms. And you're interviewing all. I mean, tight ends of young. It was pretty cool.
20: I'll tell you when I when we first set out to do it. I was like, okay, this could be kind of cool. Like they pitched us the idea, of me hosting this kind of like mini series, telling the story of the tight end from the beginning. And I was like, okay, like that's kind of cool. Like I can see it, but. Who are we going to talk to, right? Like, we got to get the right people to tell this story. Well, fast forward a few months. uh, It comes out next week, and it's called TE1, as you said. And we our first interview is with Mike Dicka. Come on. Who is an absolute legend slash he's Mike Dicka. Did you get to know him while you were in Chicago? I didn't, you know. And it was really cool for me to interview him now being able to, like, reflect on my time back in Chicago playing, like, under – like the shadow that he casted. Yeah. Um everything being compared to him since Dicka, since Dicka, since Dicka. And just be able to like share some of those stories with him and him kind of talk about his career and some of it it was that was a really unique way to kind of start and then it just kind of hit the ground running. So we started with with coach Dicka, then we got Ozzy Newsom, who's on. now the you know the general manager obviously of the Ravens, Super yeah. Bowl champ. Um, Shannon Sharp and the stories that he told, and and that was that was really anyone who's listened to Shannon, he's he's oh, not he's afraid one of my to faves, talk. Yeah. The episode could have been four hours long. That's amazing. Um, and then we had Tony Gonzalez. Let me tell you something, scoop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, skip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then um, we had Tony Gonzalez. Wow. George Kittle, Travis wow. Kelsey, and then we finished. We did something cool at the end with uh with the rookie from Notre Dame who got drafted by Chicago, Cole Komet. So he was their second round pick and. It was a really cool thing. I'm I'm anxious for people to hear it, but we thought it was cool that I got to interview Dick. uh, There was a Chicago kind of thing. And here's this kid who, when I was playing in Chicago, he was like a middle school, high school kid growing up in Chicago, being a Bear fan. Yeah. Went to Notre Dame, now gets drafted by like his home team. And like we had each guy share some like level of advice, a message, and we were able to let him listen to it. So his interview his last podcast kind of puts a good kind of ribbon on the entire conversation. And um, I think people are going to really enjoy it. I know I enjoyed it. I don't want to say more than I anticipated, but it was,
2: it it was uh, an experience that was, was really cool. Yeah. Well, you've got like, I mean, this is also why, I mean, aren't there like you're already going to jump into like the, uh, the, the analyst broadcast booth, uh, right? Like there's already been, I mean, you, this is something that I think you probably don't, I mean, just being easy and, and, and uh, effortless to be conversational and personable like this, not everybody has it and, and doesn't, you know, it's not like you need it to be an athlete, but like, shit, man, like post football for sure. Best of moment number 16. Can't believe I had this guy on the pod. UFC champ, pioneer, uh, MMA fighting gangster. Uh, somebody I want my entourage for sure and who I might be doing some projects with down the line. Give it up for the very sweet but scary chuck liddell
21: it was one of those things i was i was told by my mom i wasn't allowed to fight and i listen. but these kids would fight me they would come tr- come beat me up they would just take your me. money they just they, they'd it. have to well, i would make them take it they had to For i wasn't gonna give it to them i i had actually to think back about that now that's kind of it's not theirs i wasn't giving it to them yeah. but i wasn't allowed to fight so i wouldn't fight back so they have, have, have to take it from me and I was getting beat up. And, and thank God it was back in the day, because it's not like t- t- today how it is, because the principal went to my mom and said, <sighs> call my mom. And she says, "We I asked your son why, why he let these kids beat him up. And he said, you won't let him fight back. And and I, I love what you're trying to do with your nonviolence thing, but I... I, I, this, I, can't I can't watch this, watch this guy every, every, cake every, cake. I, I can't it's, watch it's, him I all a the time. He's right out my window, and it's really I, a bummer. Yeah, I really can't watch this happen, all, and I can't protect him all the time. So you gotta let him defend himself.
2: Whoa. And Who's that I, principal? Do you remember him?
21: Uh, um, God, I, I can't think of his name right now. Um, I'll fucking, get it for you. Fucking, I gotta look at it. I, he's I, a I, hero. It. Yeah. But um, my 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 mom so went to me and said, hey, you know, okay, you, you need to learn how to defend yourself. And, and, but you can't start a fight, but you're allowed to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> and so please
2: make that t-shirt with your mom's face on it. <laughs>
21: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she sent me to my grandfather and, you know, he's, he's a, a he was from Brooklyn and a, a pretty tough guy. And, uh, he, he was with the army and then he was, uh, a cop. He's a, a, retired, uh, uh, as a sheriff's coroner. Oh, wow. Um, and then, uh,
2: so he'd seen his fair so share I, of action.
21: Yeah. And, and so he, he started teaching me how to fight and I, I learned how to throw some straight punches and. And, and, you know, the rest is history as far as fighting goes. I, I, but, I mean, I, like,
2: at what point do you go, does he show you a few moves, and then he's just like, all right, I think you're ready? Because, like, I feel like even just learning, once you're in the moment, and the kids, that, that day when you're like, fuck, they're probably coming for it, like, do you just psych yourself up well, or on the bus I don't, that I, day? I, that,
21: long, that long ago, I don't even remember. I think I was just so happy to be able to fight back at that So once point, they gave me the green light. They gave me the green light to fight back. I was just like, let's go. All right, I'm going to hit somebody back. Let's do you remember go.
2: the first fight back? I, I don't, like that, but
21: I, but I don't. I don't remember. It's so long ago. But I, you know, it's it's one of those things. I I've never I never had a problem out there. I was always the toughest kid in my school. I was always the guy that I started doing karate when I was twelve. Now,
2: did you have this uh, goatee when you were twelve? Uh, no, I that didn't. That would add know, to
21: the intimidation. No, no, no I did not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that
2: helped. It'd be That'd great really. if you're like, yeah, you know, people didn't bother me. You know, I was yeah, six, no. eight, in the fifth grade. Uh, okay, so then, so you start getting that. It's probably it's self defense, but there's got to be at some point. The fun factor right oh, and it also fun.
21: it became fun i liked it and i liked and i and i, and I became and i look back now because i didn't even think about it back in the day because i i used to love fighting people for somebody like oh he, 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 yeah your friends are not even i didn't have to be my friend and say hey that guy don't want to fight you but i will and they would be like oh i got no problem with you uh you, you kind of do now oh you know, my because god because I I, I I said i figured out when i was about 21 22. i figured out that
2: you could look, bully the bully
21: well, that no, no, no. But I know about twenty-one, twenty-two. I because I always say I never, I never started a fight. Right. But I re- re- realized about twenty-one, twenty-two. I never let you out of it real easy either. So I mean, you put me in a position where where I could fight you, and yeah. I, I mean, I always let you walk away. You always had that option. I'm right. not hitting a guy while he's trying to run away from me. Right. But I wouldn't give you an easy way to walk away from me without looking like the biggest pussy in the room. Gotcha. You know, like I'm. You know, you'd have a choice. And a lot of guys took the choice of I'll look like a pussy. I'm out of here. Because a lot of guys was there a hear, face
2: you'd make or something. you well, the say. Way I
21: just look at it, I, well, usually it was just what the fuck do you say?
2: Yeah, that'll do it. I just and fucking like, pissed a little bit. Jesus I, I, Christ!
21: And, and, <laughs> and usually that was it. And that because and and I was actually I I had a lot more gave a lot more leeway than a couple of my buddies I grew up with. That where if you if I said that to you, you got whoa. This is the only answer that can get you punched.
2: Yeah, yeah. Best of moment number 17. This guy's done it all. His stories will rival anyone's in the business. And he tells some great Robin Williams stories in this best of moment. It's Tom Arnold. Do you go out of your way on, had you met Hugh Grant before that? Do you go out of your way to try to chum it up? Or do you just go, hey, he's the lead, I'm going to, okay.
10: He just had four weddings and a funeral. Right. I just had True Lies. And Chris Columbus directed that.
2: Oh, man. Chris
10: Columbus is so good at Joni Huzak, of course, yes. played my wife. I love her so much. And Julianne Moore is great. And we, uh, you know, it was it was great fun. And Hugh and I got along. We hung out. Robin Williams, you know, we filmed in San Francisco where Robin Williams lived. So, yes. you know, we had, uh, uh, we had not a lot of fun. You know, Hugh got arrested with the prostitute while yeah. we were promoting the movie. Right. And, uh, I, you know, I, there's, a, you know, I tell a lot of stories about that, but, you know, we had, I'll, I'll tell you one real quick. Yes. So Hugh, Hugh, this one, she likes. So wow. Hugh is a very funny and, uh, 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 first of all, he, <laughs> I made it so nervous. So, you know, cause I, cause I punched that dinosaur in the toy store fight, <laughs> the stuntman in there, the, the stunt coordinator is like, okay, you can punch him anywhere you want, except. Right here, the eyes are actual metal. So don't hit me with the eyes, because that's the only place that's not padded. So anyway, we get going in the thing, get going, I get excited. And I was like, he said something about the eyes. So I hit the step as hard as I could right in the eye, and it cut his eye oh, it's so deep oh, here. Shit. It knocked him out. And, it, it's, you know, step are like, they go, you've got to give it all to me. He's like, no, no, I got to finish the scene. Just <laughs> uh, stitch me up or give me some. They brought him up smelling salts and finish the scene. Like, Hugh Grant saw that. Saw that in this guy. So we got to the delivery uh, the scene at the end. There's a scene where I'm, my character is supposed to punch Hugh Grant. By now, Hugh Grant and I have hung out a lot. Okay. And, uh, yeah. uh, and, and, and and something happened in the middle which made Hugh Grant think, I'm going to get even with you. Because in the middle of that, there had been two movies about Tom and Roseanne's divorce. And one was on, ABC, or one was on NBC, and then the second was on Fox. Now, Fox TV... This was a Fox movie, much like True Lies was. So when it was announced that Fox TV was doing a Tom and Roseanne, whatever movie, Hugh Grant came to me and said, that's outrageous. We are doing a Fox movie. And they're going to – you got to – that is outrageous. That is so disrespectful of you that they would do a Fox movie while we're filming this movie after you killed it in True Lies. That is, uh, I can't believe they would do that to you. Uh, I think that you gotta, uh, that is so disrespectful. Wow. And anyway, and it really got to me like, right, I was feeling very low. And he said, Listen, come over, listen, man, come over here. It was Saturday night. He said, Come over here to my, we're staying in Napa Valley. We each had these big bungalows. He said, Come over here, man. This is the most, that's the most fucked up thing I've ever heard of. And I've been showing this long time. And I walked into his uh, bungalow. And the lights are on Everybody was there to watch the Tom and Roseanne movie. He hosted a party so every cast member could watch. He had a he got a giant screen brought in oh, and he had Tom wow. and Roseanne <laughs> and balloons to watch it. That's how big of an <laughs> asshole. Anyway, so then I had to sit there and watch it. And it was oh. awful. But so at the end of the movie, we're doing the fight scene. And it's Rob Williams. You know, all the actor all the main cast is in the the shooting, the delivery scene where my uh, both of our wives, Juliet and, and Jody, are giving birth to our babies. And it's very frantic, and if we shot so much footage, and, and you know, because Robin Williams is is improvising and I'm improvising, and Hugh Grant is, uh, you know, British actors are very well trained. Yes, know you really are, and Australian actors, but British actors especially. And so, he uh, it be Rob Williams drove him nuts. What? And uh, and I liked it. I can't Robin. <laughs> going and going. And <laughs> and uh, you'd think Julianne Moore and him would be like tight, and, but no. Oh. <laughs> so, I loved her so much. So, you know, so anyway, get to the point in the scene where uh, I'm going to punch him in the face. Yeah. And he was like, so nervous. He's like, uh, I go, I got it. Listen, okay. So the stuck guy's got that. And, and, uh, and then Tom steps over and punches. Him. He goes, no, 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 no. I don't trust him. Don't tell, I don't trust. Him. I go, hey man. I do. I've been in a lot of stuff. I'm used to punching you. And he's like, uh, "Don't, Hugh. We're gonna shoot him from behind. There's gonna be that much space between Tom's fist and your face." He goes, "I, I don't not tr- fucking trust him at all. I don't. He's gonna fucking punch me in the face." And Chris Columbus comes over to us. No, it's gonna be fine. And, and even Julia Moore's like, "Don't be such a wuss. He's not gonna. It's actors doing it all the time. He's gonna be that far away. And everybody stops. The whole, the whole crew stops." And he goes, it's gonna be fine, Hugh. He's not gonna I go, I'm not gonna I swear to God, I'm not gonna get any more. Material. So anyway, we start the scene. It's a very hectic scene, and we get ready for that 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 take and they've actually put a mark on the floor so I know where I foot is. Yeah. I step I, I didn't mean to, I'm sure. I step over it and bam, I hit him right in the right. In the, you know how it feels to get hit in the nose. Oh yeah. And he goes down, and he's like, Bloody hell, bloody hell. And uh we stop and then and he, but he still, is – I didn't hit him hard enough for him to go. Bloody hell! Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like everybody with it, and then Julianne Moore's like, "Bloody hell!" And it just mocked him. He goes. Then he felt bad that he'd overdone it, and then he kind of straight. And then it became a, a whole thing. But I did hit him right That's in the so right in the nose. I'm like, there is no. I'm just gonna say, I am not gonna step. I'm gonna keep it right here. I measured it out like ten times. Yeah, yeah. Bam, 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 bam. bam. I promise you, Hugh. I know what I'm doing. We like, come here, come here. Bam! I yeah, can't yeah. reach you from here. And then, of course, I step <laughs> over and bam. But, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, you know, but he, uh, but no, he. I enjoyed him a lot.
2: Best of moment number eighteen. Her Comedy Central special, "Hot for My Name," has been crushing it. Uh, you know, we're from her Hulu show, uh, "Alone Together." Uh, with Benji Aflalo, and uh, just one of the funniest Swedish people in the game. And uh, we started together, so uh, it's always fun to chat with her. It's Esther Pavitsky. Uh, you guys
1: live together?
2: Yeah, yeah. And oh, that's so, that's And cool. I bought a place last May that has finally, it's the first time I've ever had a kitchen. Um, and that's like what? a kitchen that you, well, I mean, I, I, I don't even consider did my have last... you have a
1: Bunsen burner before? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How did I, my, you not? The
2: kitchen I had before was... The kitchen that uh, Charlie Bucket and his grandparents and mom had in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was a better kitchen than what I had at uh, when I lived next to the Laugh Factory in this little apartment. It was just...
1: Oh, my God. I know where that is. I Not those apartments. Not those oh, apartments. okay, okay. Laurel okay. <laughs> and Hollywood. It was
2: at the top of Laurel, but still... And it was you know oh, two bedroom. What a
1: nice location. <clears throat> it was great.
2: There was a pool in the middle. It looked like Melrose Place. There was the pool in the middle and all the apartments around, so you could super stare super
1: at classic at L A. Classic L A. What?
2: Stare at the old Russian guy that would sw- swim laps at <laughs> seven a.m. every morning, and uh, I'd always try <laughs> to high. Oh f- yeah, yeah, I'd always try to high five him too when I would see him, and uh, and he never high five me, and so it became this thing where I was just like every time I'd see him, I was, I was like it's a. Uh, and I put my hand up, and he just, like, would walk right by me. And I was like, I don't know if it's a Russian thing to not high-five, or he maybe he's so tired from swimming laps that he doesn't have any more arm strength, but he wouldn't even smile at me. It was a weird place. I think there was a lot of shady, like, I don't want to say sex trafficking, but definitely, like, drug deals and <laughs> weird Airbnbs and, like, also very classic L.A. Never,
1: never a sentence I want to hear. I don't want to say sex trafficking,
2: but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> Yeah, where, where, where did you live when you first got to LA? We met. I feel I like when, basically when you first very got, early on when right, I started, right?
1: I so I actually lived very close to where you're talking about. I lived on Fountain in Fairfax. Oh, cool! Actually, Fountain in Hayworth. Yeah, so I was always right around that area, and you know, it's weird that you say old Russian man because I don't think of West Hollywood as being. Very having like a big Russian population, but it must because there's the only Russian bakery I've ever seen in Los Angeles is right in the middle of West Hollywood, like yeah. in the hottest, primest real estate next to Whole Foods, yep. which I've always been like, I and I've all oh, I have always gone there, and every time I get something, it's always so fucking dry <laughs> and not good, and I'm like, how is this bakery in business? Like yeah. there's a sprinkles cupcakes three. <laughs> Fucking miles away. There's like the all the hottest bakeries in in the world have built second locations here in West Hollywood. How is this dry ass Russian bakery? And now I'm survive. Russian, so I can talk shit. Me too. How do they? Yeah. How do you know how they survive? Uh, no,
2: they're always just like, you want muffin to be mo- moist? Do you pour water on it? You're like, that's not. Why don't you just fucking make it better? Uh, yeah. They. I don't know how they survive. It's and they. I mean, they do have like, you know, the the. The oddest of pastry selections, which is probably the appeal to it. But I don't know. Maybe the location. Maybe because it's so such a different spot in, next to that Whole Foods. It's the contrast is so. I don't know. I don't know how they. maybe There's, there's enough...
1: no answer. Whatever you are just trying for. <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Stop right there.
2: <laughs> Wait. When when did you move to L.A. though?
1: I moved to L.A. in um, uh, April of two thousand nine. From
2: Chicago. About you? Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. And you were doing, did you even do stand-up before? I did a couple sets before I moved to L.A. just to feel like I do stand-up and not be totally terrified of starting in L.A. But, I mean, I started here, and as did you, right?
1: Very similar. Where yeah. did you come from? Seattle. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's such a cool place to be from. I'm so jealous of that. Well, Chicago why, is a Why did you even... I'm from a suburb, though. I don't know. Seattle, Chicago is still so midwesty, which I do love. But like, yeah. I just don't. I feel like when I think of Seattle, I think of like so high class. Like, you guys are like you. Ha- you knew about coffee before the rest of us. Like, I just feel. <laughs> oh, we like know where the beans I come from, be- baby. <laughs>
2: yeah, it uh, just feels
1: like there's good education there or something. Yeah,
2: it's. I mean, it's a very i don't know i i i love being from there i love that it's so close to la and i love the you know i'm a big seasons guy because of that so i'm just like i love the la sun all the time but i do when it gets like gloomy i i love it because it uh because i just grew up in that so i didn't know any different and i also like i like fall is just the shit like a classic seeing the leaves change not that it's something that i like you know really uh you know, it's not like I YouTube like videos of leaves changing. Like I miss it that much, but I just the just like being in a like I don't know, just be, feeling also cold and like feeling like the cold air. Like that's why I'll wear shorts and a T-shirt in like forty fifty degree weather in Seattle because I just love to. Uh, I, I just you get so used to the warmth out here, which is great. That I I like to I don't know, and maybe I just the blood's warm. I don't know. I should probably get my blood checked. Well, but
1: no. I'm very cold. I'm like, you know, a small woman. I get cold very easily. Yeah. But I will say that this January I was in Chicago for the month and I like I was a little bit depressed and I like fed off of the cold weather. It just like energized me in a way that I'd never experienced it before. And I, I don't know if it was because I was depressed, like just feeling that cold fucking Chicago win just felt good. It yeah. felt really like made me feel alive. I don't know it was I so I hear what you're saying like the seasons are kind of essential and I do think that's why in LA you can get a little bit depressed cuz it's like oh every day is the same and Yeah. It's all groundhog day. Which is weird cuz there are, Yeah, but people there are people who are like you have the sun, you have it all but I know. Kind of need some changes.
2: Best of moment number 19. You know this funny bastard from the Righteous Gemstones, School of Rock, and every other TV show you've ever seen. He's a funny ass dude. And uh, follow him on Instagram for some amazing fitness videos. It's Tony Caballero. Uh, you and your wife have been married how long?
22: Uh, August 1st, 2015. So, Love it. we're coming up, dude. I'm five fucking years,
2: bro. And she's in the biz too, yeah?
22: Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. Writer performing. We met in the junior company at the groundlings. We met in Sunday Company at the groundlings.
2: Wow. That happens a lot. That's how Ben and um, Falcone and Melissa McCarthy met. That's, yeah. Is that, is that kind of ripe for, for love when you're in that cl- close proximity and <laughs> yeah, creating? Yeah,
22: Mikey Day and Paula Christensen met wow. there. Um, yeah, lots of people meet there, dude. Um, yeah, it's totally ripe. I mean, you're there in such close quarters creating with with people and like with her it was like right away dude like she was super funny yeah super funny super beautiful and then like I remember you know she's a, a writer uh and that's kind of how she got her start and uh I remember she was like do you want to read one of my scripts and I was like yeah she like sent it to me and I remember like being like it's hundred and five pages she's like yeah, that feature film it's a movie script. <laughs> Yeah and I was like you wrote 105 pages
2: <laughs> i don't know if you and know what it was, that is yeah
22: <laughs> I, That's crazy. I was like oh my god yeah. and it was so funny and i was like oh my god she's fucking genius too on top of that you know so you're like
2: i gotta marry this girl so i can be in this
22: i gotta marry her yeah <laughs> gotta
2: wait do you remember was there one line she said in the show or like did it click i know how you just said like it happened like that as far as like falling in love but was there a moment during a, a show or an improv where like something happened and it was like you said the same word at the same time or just something that she said that made you laugh? I mean, maybe maybe it was even off. Um, you know, I know you guys hang a lot post show, so it might have been then where you were just like, I got. It was. I, go I, I, I mean, post-show. it was very specific, dude. So like.
22: I was hanging out in the front in the front lobby of the theater and I'd never met her before, which was kind of weird because usually you cross paths with people doing stuff. And I had been in Sunday company already for six months. So I was always hanging out at the theater and she was like coming in to prep for her advanced show, her level show before she got in her level four show before she got into the Sunday company. And uh, I was in the lobby with a buddy and she walked by and kind of was like, hi, very shy, like quiet and walked by. Hi, how are you? And we were both like, great, good, You'll break a leg, you know? And she laughed and my buddy was like, looked at me and I was like, man, she's, she's so hot, you know? She's like a, a porcelain doll that I wanna have sex with or something like that. It was, <laughs> something romantic. <laughs> something very romantic. And then like I saw her in the show and from that like sweet, she was like in a dress, looked yeah. like this porcelain doll, very shy. And then I see her in the show and she's playing like this middle-aged, lunch shift stripper trying to pick up a beer bottle with her cooter and like the bit is that she's like four feet above the beer bottle just going get it get it, get it, get it. Like just gyrating four feet above the bottle with like funions stuffed in her cleavage and i was yeah. just like oh my god oh she's so hot <laughs> and funny
21: she's the total package but she's got it all
2: uh yeah. that's awesome dude was the groundlings uh, on the radar when you moved to la was it like not at all dude no i didn't know it.
22: shit man I, I had gone to that i'd gone to that military school and then being what are you um, talking about it
2: sounds like a, a great place for comedy <laughs> right education perfect jump would they come down on you by the way if you made jokes or laugh how did you find your voice in that uh i environment? was the
22: Dude, the only guys, like my, literally my most supportive, bestest friends are like, were like my roommates at VMI because they knew what a fucking goofball I was. And they're like favorite story to tell about me ever. So I room with these two twins. And then before that, my other best friend, Rob Payne, I'd gone through every grade with him from kindergarten through senior year in college, except for two weird, wacky years in between. But my, my friends, the Trimbles, and, and the roommates, the twins, and they had come to the lacrosse. We all played lacrosse together, and um, they'd come to the lacrosse locker room. Like, that was our safe haven. Like, if we could sneak away to the lacrosse locker room so we yeah. wouldn't be picked on. And I had, like, the music blasting. I was solo in the locker room, came down to take a shower, and I, like, heard some guys coming in. So I just started, fucking, like, dancing <laughs> in the shower, totally naked. And so, like, <laughs> Maybe I heard them come in. Maybe I was just dancing. But they were like, the first time we met Tony at VMI, we were just seeing, like, flashes of this nude body in the shower doing like cartwheels and dance moves. Oh, my God. And and so, yeah, I mean, those guys have been so supportive since day one. They came out here last year to Sullivan's to come visit.
2: Wow. So uh, lifelong bros, yeah.
22: Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and you know, but I mean, that's you know, those guys, they they knew, but I definitely, I definitely kept it under wraps. Like I wasn't like the, I did you didn't want to be like popular there. Dude.
2: Best of moment number twenty: Seattle SuperSonics play-by-play announcer for uh, for pretty much the the time of the franchise when things mattered. I think from '87 he came in until 2009 uh he's just a gangster of the business and one of the best voices you'll ever listen to and we get a lot of great calls in this clip with the one and only kevin calabro i mean
18: there wow. were there weren't the big buildings that are there now they, these were smaller apartments and there was a moving company across the street from our office just a block west of of the the coliseum i remember that and and we had offices up there we could actually look out over the moving company and we'd look straight out on the olympics and so I, it, it was a phenomenal spot. It was a great time to be in Seattle. I mean, it was not that the progress isn't great. It is. Uh,
2: the but, Sonics you know, were Seattle. the team. They were the team of, of they, they, they were we Seattle's. Were the yeah. We,
18: we, 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 you know, clearly had it going at that time. I mean, everybody had their, their time, but uh, yeah, the Sonics in the nineties, but so, I mean, just to, so it was that you touched on, it, it was kind of a cultural uh, connection too, because you had, The music was changing. The lifestyles were changing. Stuff was happening in Seattle, and it seemed like uh, most of this edgy stuff was going on in Seattle. Uh, And I I don't know why, but I I have a theory. I think it's a confluence of, uh, as I mentioned, the mountains, a couple of mountain ranges, the the Elliott Bay, the rivers, the nature. it, it obviously had a lot to do with Microsoft without question in the late eighties, Microsoft, I think spawned a lot of what was going on. Cause we moved in in 87 and, and I, I just think Microsoft and Bill Gates and Paul Allen had so much to do with uh, you know, just uh, the, the acceleration, I think of technology sure. and everything that was going on in Seattle. And then the response in the arts community and athletics and stuff, it just, it was all coming together in the nineties. it was you know, looking back on it, where I'm kind of amazed that all that stuff was happening at the time. I think we were just riding the crest, you know just <laughs> yeah oh yeah, time. <clears throat> all I know is we'd go over to Duke's on Queen Anne, oh after yeah, two blocks down the best. and it was on fire. It was on fire for about four years. It was the craziest time it was post so much game
2: uh, post games so, around oh, that area oh, I mean, God. Oscars across the street, you got it was so uh, <laughs>
15: yeah.
2: It was, it was a really a cool time to just be yeah. in Seattle. And I, again, feel so lucky that we, you know, had you to, uh, to, 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 you know, give us all the games. What was it like to see Kemp and Peyton develop that relationship? I feel like that to have a front row seat to that, to see I what promise. that. Turned-
18: it, it was terrific. I mean, Gary, um, uh, G- Gary and Sean, I think were, uh, they had their own little spheres that they operated in, but they worked so well on the floor together, uh, I mean, Gary knew that uh, Sean was going to get a defensive rebound, going to kick it to Gary, and that he was going to sprint down the sideline and then angle toward the middle, and Gary would meet him with the lob, and Gary would push the ball up the floor. And and Gary knew that, and you mentioned it, uh, that that, that whole energy, that whole pulse was led by their defense.
2: Riz and I did, basically, he recalled his uh, 95-1 game playoff inside the Park Grand Slam call. And then I followed it up with my own version of it. So I'd like to do that with you uh, for a call. And I'm going to pull it up on the screen here. And you don't again. It's you can do it as now just what what you remember. Um, But uh, I'm going to pull it up here and then I'll play it with the with the volume down. And and when I play it, just uh, just take a stab. Yeah, I think you know. There's this is the uh, famous Peyton Peyton to Kemp alley oop. So here we go.
18: Tide was 72 seconds left. Here he comes off a high screen, driving it up into the lane. Kick to the corner. It's hard to see the video. Ball comes (laughs) off long. It's Peyton ahead to Kemp. Up and two-head jam! Kemp has given the Sonics the lead. 126-124. Under a minute remaining against the Warriors. Peyton with a tremendous lob pass to Sean Kemp. As Benoit Benjamin wants to know, when are we getting to the club?
10: <laughs> and
23: Mully
18: says, "I just want to get out of the way of that jam." <laughs> yeah. You see, Mully just get out of the way, and Nelly says, "I can't wait to get to Maui." <laughs> Look at him. There's, there's Nelly about 500 pounds lighter.
2: Oh, dude, he's like, hey, hey, per- hey, big perk. Who's your weed guy, man? <laughs> all right, here we go. Now I'm gonna give my attempt. Here we go. here's, here's All uh, right, all right, here we go. <clears throat> All right, the uh it looks like maybe Tim Hardaway kicks out the Mullen. Yep. You gotta give it the just, everyone's still kind of shocked he made the dream <laughs> team instead of uh oh, wait there's Payton to the camp. Holy, holy shit! You gotta be fucking kidding me. You know he was gonna do it. He's up flying high, baby. Two hands in the air, pointing to his to probably somebody, maybe one of his yep. uh one of his friends in the crowd. A lot of high fives. Oh man, yep. at some point yep. we're gonna miss high-fiving. Soak it up, fellas. Pat the yep. butts. Enjoy that, 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 that less than six feet of distance, baby. And Mullen uh, just is. Uh-uh. Don Nelson is losing his fucking marbles. Yeah, <laughs> and that suit does not match his pants. But hey, you'll figure that out in yeah. editing, baby. And that hey, is that you left. behind him looking <laughs> for an autograph? <laughs> Quick fan to the left. <laughs> Can't <laughs> close his mouth. It should be filled with sliders. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! All right, that was amazing. That was good. Uh, Kev. You're the man, dude. I, uh, I honestly can't thank you enough, dude. I hope you had a good time. Was it fun, chat? I
18: had a great time, dude. Appreciate it, man.
2: You're the best. Stay safe. Uh, dude, uh, good luck when the season resumes. Have some fun and, right. and, uh, and maybe I'll see you in Chelan in September, yeah? Let's do
18: it. If not, somewhere down the road, brother.
2: I love it. All right, Kev. Thank, thank you. you, bro. Best of moment number 21, Magician. God, this guy, uh, Magic for Humans. So many specials on Netflix. Go see him live if you ever can at the Magic Castle or wherever he does shows. He's doing a lot of Zoom shows, I think, right now virtually so that you can be entertained in the comfort of your own home. It's the one
24: and only, hilarious, talented, and uh, mysterious Justin Willman. Like, back when I was growing up, I used to do the show every summer at this uh, little community that my family had a summer house in called Chautauqua on the Mississippi River. Not glamorous. We're talking near Grafton, Illinois. It's like... (laughs) It's, it's, it's rural. And, um, It's where the sponge uh, bunnies live. Sponge bunnies. Yeah. And this girl who, when she was like a little girl would see me do shows every summer. And then she ended up being an intern at the white house and was like, you guys need a magician. I know a guy. So that was like a right place at the right time. It was <laughs> My incredible. God. Wait, yeah. so did she reach out to you or to the she white house? She reached out to me. She reached out to me. So, Hey, um, was, kind of yeah. a
2: weird call. Um, uh-huh. first of all, how are you? Do you, are you still, you're good it looks like
24: you're so she'd obviously probably seen you all over the web she'd and the see TV, me right? and then yeah i'm sure we were f- facebook friends from uh from very young you know so what was please tell me your
2: reaction when she's like kind of weird request i work i was the in Hawaiian the middle house. of
24: shooting a season of cupcake wars and then she's like hey this is a yeah, weird request in one week we're having like so there's no lead time the uh halloween party you know, we can't pay you or anything and we can't fly you out. We can put you up for a night because <clears throat> you can imagine the flack the Obama administration would get for they spent thousands of dollars on a magician. I mean, you, yeah. you, you would, you would yeah, never yeah. hear. That'd be yeah, bad bro, for all of us. Yeah. So um, uh, Cupcake Wars like shifted this shoot schedule around because they were like all hyped about this opportunity and kind of flew out, big did it, flew right back. And it was so I mean, it was so surreal. It was like uh, I, I it just still doesn't feel real. He, he was heckling me, like in a like in a positive way. Like he's the only guy who could be a heckler who's at every heckler thinks they're helping. Yeah, Obama was helping. Like it was like good heckling. It's like, like you on. How's to- this guy doing this? Come on, this guy's a wizard. Are yeah. you people seeing this? You know, like That's it was amazing. He was like, uh, you know, it was a good good vibe. Were you? But more, to answer your question, yeah, oh yeah. Oh,
2: well, were you more nervous for that than you've been for anything? Anything? Or? Okay.
24: For anything ever since. Yeah. Because never been to the White House, I'm assuming. Never been to the White House. Was, never met a president. You know, everyone was in a costume too, which was kind of kind of made it a little easier. But I was he was say, not in a costume. He no. was dressed as Obama in a fleece. That was his costume. Oh my God. So uh, was walking know, in
2: immediately, just feelings of like holy shit, like look what I did. In, immediately you're
24: like, you can't believe the place is so small. Because like, 'cause 'cause you're in a it's a house. You know, you don't really think about that, you know, like yeah. you're like Wow, it's in a house, in my you know, it's like Toys R Us when the, you're a
2: kid, and then you grow up, and you're like, this place is like two aisles. It's exactly. all bikes and board games.
24: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so he, he, loved was, uh, he loved it. Though, he yeah. loved it. He they, loved it. He loved it. Got a photograph. It all felt like a d- blur and a dream, and went home and then him on the set of Cupcake Wars the next day. You I know, way to come that. crashing back to reality. <laughs> From presidents
2: uh, to cupcakes, the name of your exactly memoir. best of moment number twenty two. I love this guy. He's uh, an athlete, a father, a friend, and just a funny bastard. And I fucking love him. And uh, we did a podcast called Fourth and Forever uh, until uh, Showtime Sports said, hey, we want it to be just uh, Mark and not you, you silly Jew. They didn't say that, but it was implied. No, they just said it. Uh, They didn't say it. But, um, But he's still crushing the show, Fourth and Forever. You see him on College Football Game Day, on Showtime's Inside the NFL. And he was one of the, uh, I think, uh, best QBs uh, of his era. And uh, he crushed it at USC. And He's got some great Pete Carroll stories in this best of clip with my buddy, Mark Sanchez.
25: Well, you kind of, you, you uh, adapt to that environment a little bit. You kind of adapt to the way your peers act and all that. And it's, it really is a credit and a testament to Coach Carroll, the way he set up the program. And we were, I mean, our facilities were not, not nearly as nice uh, as, as other places, but coach made it feel like it was the best. He, he had this way of, uh, he's a psych major. So he, he had this way of talking to these young kids and molding your mind just to get you ready to play, to get you excited every day. I, you can never, you, I never remember him being like, like sad. Like I don't, I can't ever remember like a bad day. He just doesn't have bad days cause he won't let himself. And, um, he's so mentally tough and so good at communicating a positive message to people and keeping it simple, keeping it fun, keeping it light. And when it's time to play, it's time to play. And it was it was one of the things I've ever seen. And then I get, I'm, I end up wearing number six, Reggie's five. So my locker is right next to him. And I see that just works his ass off every day. We run sprints. We run 110s. He's got a 25 pound weight. Just who who, who is this? People, Reggie Bush. Oh shit. So like when you see somebody working like, that. I see liner, John David Booty, these guys watching a ton of tape after hours, studying with Sark, all that kind of stuff. So it just becomes who you are. You just you see that. That's it's the same thing for these guys going to the next level. If you get a chance to learn from people like that for a year or two, which I had at USC, I didn't play till my third year, right? When John David went down, I played three games my third year, played a whole season my fourth year and left. So those first two years, all you do is get practice reps and watch and learn, and watch, and learn, and watch, and learn. And it was so cool to learn from because when you get your chance to do it, it's like you've already done it. You've already seen everybody do it. You know what the blueprint is. Now you just add your own personal flavor to it. But that was that was one of my favorite things. I remember when Coach – when it was about my turn to play, and um, I would go in and watch old Carson Palmer tape uh, when Coach Carroll and Coach Chow had first gotten there. I would go watch his clips all the time. Carson to me was – you know, my favorite player growing up. I was his ball boy when he was in high school. Like, I love the guy. We'd go watch him. They used to have training camp at UCI uh, here in Irvine. And so we'd drive up and watch him during training camp just because I love Carson. Did, so, you go,
2: did you go as him for Halloween?
25: <laughs> no. No, <laughs> I should have. Um, he uh, – uh, Coach Carroll, this clip, right, I was going to play. And he spliced there. Carson rolling to the left, throwing the ball deep. Carson doing a play action and then throwing a deep post, Carson throwing a quick slant, throwing slug-o-seam, like all these different plays. And so it was one Carson play, one of my plays from the three games I played uh, my redshirt sophomore year. And he just spliced all these plays together with the film guy, and it was Carson play, Sanchez play. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. And he goes, what are we watching here? I was like, we're watching me and Carson. He's like, but what? And I said, well, it's a lot of the same plays because it's the same offense. And he goes, yeah, you're making the same post said i did it like this on purpose this is your turn now like you need to take them off the pedestal and you need to go be the usc trojans quarterback for the team that's it whoa and i was just like whoa okay (laughs) you know so it was was, uh that gave me so much confidence because you feel the coach believing in you and that gives you like some motivation it gives you Yeah, like I said, it just gives you confidence. And that was – for him to be able to do that, those are the kind of things he did with different players at different times. He just knew what to say, when to say it, and got us ready to play.
2: What do you think Pete's better at, pregame pump-up speeches or talking to you after a loss and curbing your mindset?
25: Um, He's – so he wasn't like a rah-rah. Like we – he kind of um, delegated some of those responsibilities to different coaches – and they would be like the rah-rah, like pump it up guys. And then there were naturally guys that were like that on the team. So he kind of let them do the talking. But he wasn't like a, you know, motivational like, you know, this is how we're going to win. And He's just like, hey, boys, we're ready to play. We know what to do. Cut it loose. You know, T-Will, take it. Or so-and-so, take it. T-Mac, take it. Whoever. Just, cushion, get these boys fired up. Let's go. You know, and everybody's already jumping around ready to go. He didn't have to do that. But it was more of like the week-long build-up, Dude, that's where he was the best. We would be going up to Washington State, and we end up beating them, you know, by 50 points. And that entire week, as an offense, we thought we were going to play the 85 Bears. Like, he had us so dialed in (laughs) for this game. Like, it's one thing he would remind us. When a team's losing, the best thing you can do, keep their ass losing. Go beat their ass. If you're supposed to beat their ass, beat their ass. Cause it's embarrassing if somebody like that comes and beats your ass because you just rolled your helmet out there thinking, Oh yeah, we're going to roll over these guys better prepare. Cause you don't want to get embarrassed. And so you're like, Oh shoot. Like, am I doing everything? I'm supposed to, do? he's like, you can't just pick and choose games. You can't just, he would say this in life, you can't pick and choose people to be respectful to you got to do it to everybody. Whether it's the the lady path food or me as the head coach, you know, he would say that stuff to people. You don't pick and choose, get your life in order, get this stuff ready to roll will win games like that's how he was and so that week-long build-up was some of my favorite stuff the pre-practice meetings night before games all that kind of stuff and you would simplify it make it fun and then lose best of
2: moment number 23 seattle mariners broadcaster rick riz this guy Getting to know him has been a real treat. Becoming friends with him, watching him do his thing live in the booth is incredible. He's been play-by-play for the Mariners for, I think, coming up on 30 years. And getting him for the podcast was a real throwback and trip down memory lane. I highly recommend this and the Collabro episodes for Seattle sports fans. Uh, This clip is one of my faves of the uh, part one episode. Give it up for the one and only, Rick Riz. Uh, Junior then leaves in 99, and another kind of... Junior was traded away. I straight away. And, and that was another Mike Cameron. Uh, yeah. getting Mike Cameron and junior even leaving was again, like <clears throat> you can't even fathom that that's possible, but all the reasons you couldn't really argue with, huh? Like being close to fam playing for his dad's team. I mean, that truly, yeah. right. I mean, like, what do you, what do you say? And, and he kind of, he kept it helped us keep the team. So you're kind of like, I mean, yeah. right. Like, is that yeah. kind of how you guys felt or,
23: yeah, yeah. You know, it was tough because, you know, you love this kid. You saw him as a 17-year-old kid when we drafted him. You know, I saw him play in the minor leagues one game. We were in Anaheim. Ken Brett and I, we did a game in the afternoon against the Angels. He said, hey, Bellingham's playing San Bernardino, you know, tonight, let's go watch him. So I had a chance to see him play in a minor league game. So you watch this kid grow up, you know, in the system and become a major leaguer and then become eventually a Hall of Famer. And you understood how much he loved the game. Great pedigree, but what a great kid he was. So you just fall in love with this kid. You can't help it. And uh, what he meant to uh, Seattle, he helped save baseball in Seattle. Yeah.
9: Uh, fernandez glove There
20: goes
17: Joey. The pitch. Swung
20: on and melted. Deep to right field. The Mariners
9: have done it. Fly away. Junior with a two-run home run. And the Mariners have got the eighth inning ape off their back. They were old for 43 juniors two run home run the Mariners win it nine to seven oh
23: my and then to have him go was was obviously very very difficult but you know he wanted to leave for whatever reasons he had he wanted to leave uh, that's when Pat Gillick came in for Woody Woodward to make that trade how do you trade the best player in the game of baseball you better come up with something and we came up with Mike Cameron and Brett Tomko and this kid Tony Butler and I think well, one or two other guys were also involved in that trade, but Mike Cameron was the key. And uh, he had to—he had the unenviable task to replace Junior out in center field, but he did. Yeah. You know, because he had that smile just like Junior had. He also had ability. He had that great talent to to you uh, play center field and to hit. You know. And I'll never forget uh, early in the season when he robbed Derek Jeter of a home run. 357, the 0 2 pitch. Swing and a fly ball hit into deep center field. Cameron going
10: back to the track, to the wall, makes the leap and makes the catch. My oh
9: boy! I hate to say it, but it was a Griffey
23: esque catch. Oh, yeah. On left center field, it was like, hey, the torch is passed. At spring training of that year, Without Griffey, we know it's going to be tough for Cameron. And Dave and I on the radio told the fans in the Northwest, say, please welcome this kid. You know, he wasn't a kid at the time. You know, he was with the Chicago White Sox and Cincinnati and the traded to us. Give this young man an opportunity. He's filling the biggest shoes in the history of the game of baseball over the previous 20 years maybe. You know, give him a standing ovation. You know, an opening day, welcome him. Wrap your arms around him, take a little pressure off him. Sure enough, at opening day, the fans did. You know, he came in from center field with a red carpet treatment and all that. And uh, Mike Cameron, because of that, and of course the way he played and related to the fans, he would, you know, uh, the fans really took him in. Oh yeah. He would he would take a little uh, folding chair after a ball game, uh, once a series I think, and sit it on top of the dugout at him. And after the ball game, sit there and sign autographs until he signed every autograph. Wow! You know, not I never saw guys do that. Cal Ripken did it once uh, every home stand, you know. And Baltimore fans were lined all the way outside of Camden Yards. But Cami Cami did that. He fell in love with the fans. They fell in love with him, and he was able to come in and and follow Junior. No one was ever going to replace him. Nope. Thank, thank God Junior came back when he did in 09 and '10. And I, I got a picture of Junior's last hit on my wall. You know, back wow. here.
10: Wow! The two one pitch to Junior
23: one line to the right field for a base hit around third here comes bradley
9: jr has won the ball game
23: so i saw his first hit a double into the gap in left center field in oakland in 1989 off of dave stewart
2: 2025 years from now you're going to want to say i was there when ken griffey jr made his home debut so don't forget that on Monday night. There's a drive into the
17: gap in left center field and deep left center field and Henderson's not going to get to it. It's off the base of the wall and Griffey to second base in his first major
9: league at bat a ringing double off the 375 marker and we have seen
13: that
23: all spring. Welcome to the show, Ken Griffey Jr. I saw many of his home runs out of The success. back-to-backs, I mean, the back-to-back the back-to-backs to back to backs father again. and son. We're never we're never going to see that again in the history Ever. Of, the game of baseball. Fly ball sliced a
9: fairly deep left center field. Devo White back the track, the wall. Makes the leap, and the
18: old man has done it. One more time, fly away.
23: Run try. yes. yes. Three old pitches hit deep into left center field, and Bishop will look up,
17: and father and son have hit back-to-back
2: home run. Ever. I mean, you know, it's – shit, man. Unless, you know, unless you get your triceps to where Nick's are at and you guys somehow (laughs) get into the show – in the next couple of years and they let you be the first broadcast player. But yeah, it, uh, that was amazing. So many many moments like that. And in the 116 game season, I think nobody, nobody could foresee because you lose three. I mean, it's still talked about in this day when people talk about the Mariners, they go, how did they lose arguably the three best players in baseball at that time? And, and probably on a short list of, I mean, Griffey, of course, even Alex Randy, they, I mean, truly, in that decade, all probably could, could vie for best of their position and, uh, and in the top of, of all time. To lose them one after the other, I mean, you're just kind of like, all right, we hit the reset button in 2001, right? Is that kind of yeah. the mentality? Exactly. You freed up some yeah. cash. I mean, even though I was at that game when A-Rod came back and, it, and they dropped a you bunch know, of fake know. money, <laughs> and that was incredible. And it was, you know, the fans, it was very cathartic. You know, there were some things that were said around kids that I was like, "All right, I think the money sent the message, but I get, you know, say what you got to say, sir." Before upset, but uh, but w- were you guys just like, mm-hmm. "All right, 2001 is going to be just kind of a let's see what happens?"
23: Yeah, we we had again going into the 2001 season, we had no idea what type of ball club we were going to have. We we lost uh, Randy Johnson a few years before that. Then Junior was traded away, and Alex Rodriguez signed as a free agent. However, Pat Gillick put together a team. He put together a great team. We got this little guy from Japan. We had no idea what he was going to do. Ichiro Suzuki. You had no incredible, clue. Incredible numbers over there, you know, for what, nine seasons with the Orcs Blue Wave. But how was that going to translate to Major League Baseball? Well, we found out right away, we became a Hall of Fame player. Brown ball, base in, in the right field. Heading for third is Terrence Long. The throw by Ichiro. Beautiful. Peggy get him. He had about 372. his first year. Was American League Rookie of the Year and MVP of the league. First guy to do that since Freddie Lynn in 1975 with the Boston Red Sox. So here's Ichiro comes in. Has a great year. We still have Jay Buhner and Dan Wilson. We still have Edgar Martinez. Mike Cameron out in center field. We got John Olerud at first base. Mm -hmm. Here's David Bell over third base. Here comes Brett Boone. Booney had bounced around with a couple of teams he was with us. We had him got traded to away, start, right? Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. We had Booney. Then we traded him away to Cincinnati. Then he had a bad knee with San Diego. He was with Atlanta. And then we get him.
10: And a fly ball
9: hit to deep right center field.
23: And Booney had an MVP year as well. He had, like, 30 home runs and drove in 141 runs and hit 331. So, I mean, it was just a great team. And we had a great bench. We had a great pitching oh, staff. Oh, McLemore. You had yeah. – um, uh, yeah. uh, uh, not Al Martin.
2: Maybe Al Martin. I mean – Al Martin was on there,
23: that ball club as well. Jeff Nelson
2: yeah. and Rhodes in the pen and then
23: Yeah, Sasaki. Kas- who had 45 saves that year. Every George box came back. As yeah. you mentioned, Jeff Nelson and Rhodes were outstanding in seventh to the eighth inning. Here comes Kazu. Third base, and your winner, Seattle! So it became a great team, and Lou Pinella knew all the right buttons to push and strings to pull, and and uh, I give Pat Gillick a lot of credit for putting that ball club together and Lou making everything work. And they went out and they just won. In April, they won 20 games. In May, they won 20 games. And uh, all of a sudden, they got this huge lead. They just kept right on going. And then 9-11 hit, one of the saddest days, if not the saddest day in the history of our franchise, of, of the country. Yeah. Of the country. Yep. And then we came back about eight days later and clinched in September. And I'll never forget the celebration which was so emotional with Mike, uh, Mark McLemore and Mike Cameron holding the United States flag out of the mound. And they talked about how they would clinch and they had that amazing uh, little ceremony right there in the middle of the diamond. But it was just a, a, a heck of a club that uh, knew how to play the game the right way. They, they rooted for each other, just like the 95 ball club did. And they went out and won more games than anybody in the history of the game of baseball
2: best of moment number 24 this guy made his fucking name through social media and youtube commenting doing commentary on sports clips uh with a voice that sounds like a play-by-play announcer but saying the shit you really want to hear these guys say he's hilarious he's a good dude he's innovative creative and doing a lot of cool shit follow him on instagram and tiktok for uh Daily hilarity. It's my boy Bob Mennery.
26: Yeah, there are, uh, you know, there, I, I have had some cool requests from people who have asked me uh, with some Rip Magoo uh, gear. As a matter of fact, probably the coolest person I've ever met through this. You know, you think it's the athletes, whatever? No. The man who fucking sniped Bin Laden in the head. Oh, the in in
15: the head. yeah. What's
26: like his back. name again? He just posted a video or a picture of it, a river Magoo hat on, on his thing. And I was just like, that's cool. The guy who fucking climbed up three sets of stairs with a group of guys and just sniped out bin
2: Laden. That That's- uh that he he broke down the that episode is, is still up. Yeah, people that go episodes
26: get- on the old one that we don't pay attention to anymore, but right. uh would that might come back. We'll see.
2: I mean did he just kind of break down the whole day and what that was like and did he like look Bin Laden in the eyes?
26: So I actually that was the first time that I went to a UFC fight. It was me, my former ex-girlfriend Katie Carney, the one that got away, definitely um By far, the one that got away, uh, and uh, Dakota Meyer, who was the Medal of Honor recipient. I always say he won the Medal of Honor, but that's not the right way to phrase it. You don't win the Medal of Honor; you're awarded right. it. <laughs> right, right, right not, Like right. An idiot when you say that, and I've learned <laughs> that the hard way. I'm like, dude, you won the Medal of Honor. He's like, well, Bob, you don't win it. You know, yeah. I was actually in Fallujah or something. I was ambushed by 200 Taliban. And, um, you know, like, you know, it was like a very crazy story. But I was like sitting there. I had him on my left and O'Neill on my right. And I was like, God, I'm either like the safest guy on the planet or sitting next to Robert. I'm probably going to die because he had a bounty on his head at that time. And he was the most wanted man in America. I mean, the most wanted man on the planet for, uh, I think, the Taliban put like a bounty on his head for crazy amounts of money.
2: That is, I I mean... is he just walking around? People, do people know who he is, or does he have a I fucking killed Bin Laden t-shirt? or? No, yes. or?
26: <laughs> he does have the t-shirt. He does have that t-shirt on. but no. Oh, they give
2: it to you. <laughs> Actually, ben, Bin Laden was wearing it, and he's like, if you can kill me, you can wear it. <laughs>
26: dude, that would have been baller if you ripped the t-shirt off and just tore it. Oh, that's what I would have done, dude. Actually, probably Bin Laden's probably not chilling in a t-shirt. Isn't he? he wears one of those robes?
2: Probably a robe. Probably a, maybe a muumuu or a snuggy. That's a great yeah.
26: question. Dude, Imagine if if on a. Well, very odd. they didn't know that they were coming in. So, Bin Laden could have very likely have just been in, like, boxers and a T-shirt and just been, like, chilling, watching Full House and just been, like, <laughs>
2: fucked. Can you imagine? See, those are the details. I mean, look, very fired up that we got him. But, like, those are the details that I go, can't, like, somebody, like, just add, like, the ju- – juice up the story a little bit with, like, yeah, was he sitting down watching season four of Home Improvement? Right. Was right before he looked to his buddy, be like, you know, I hope at least by the end they show us what, what, uh, what Wilson's whole face looks like. Who the yeah. fuck are you? You know, like,
26: right, right, right. That's what I want to know too. You're exactly right. I look at it. I understand that you know, there's certain things they can't tell us, but exactly what you just said, that's the information, the critical information that I think we need
2: to know. And best of moment number 25, the last moment in this part one best of episode, is my buddy from USC. We went to acting school together. He went on to do Beverly Hills 90210, uh, Dirt, uh, Blacklist, and now he's the lead on an NBC medical drama um, called New Amsterdam, and he's just crushing it. He's uh, funny as he is sweet as he is, uh, an, again, another sex sexpot. Another guy that girls just go, oh, I want to rub my boobs on his beard. Uh, who says that? Uh, people do, probably. But uh, this is a great moment and a great way to close out part one of the ALN Best of. So enjoy this moment with my boy Ryan Eggled. Was I just too high, or did we call you Eggroll?
0: Egg Roll? Yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a that was a constant. Yes.
2: Okay, great. I was... I'm still.
0: My therapist is still dealing with that
2: yeah <laughs> who who came up with that because college kids love nicknames whether it's frats or theater schools I, yeah for sure
0: <laughs> the, fr- the frat thing was funny i did that for like half a second just because we were in theater school so i was like let me just do the opposite just to see yeah for Which a one second did you try very, very half-heartedly i think it was fidel yeah and oh my uh, god
2: that was the one that my freshman year roommate did and their house burned down yes i think senior no, my senior year, your junior year. I think like the
0: yeah, or like the year after I joined or something. So I was like, oh, perfect. I Guess I won't be doing that. <laughs> That's but so funny. oh god, it was great. Yeah, one guy in that uh, nicknamed me Egg Dick, which I enjoyed because for the lack of creativity. Yeah, dude. And just the pure the fratness of that Egg Dick.
2: <laughs> great, just a great, just wait, perfect. Now- like, <laughs> Just not no cleverness. No cleverness. Just literally taking something that yeah, he already found a lot of comedy
0: in, and, and putting was, yes, the male peanut, which you can attach to just anything. Yeah, it was great.
11: By the I way, Edgrol
0: might have been. Um, I think Edgrol was a Jake thing. I feel like Jake, Jake was,
2: Yeah,
0: and Phil and Phil Winer for yeah. sure.
2: Oh, Philly, I think those that's two cats. Right. Yeah. yeah, Phil definitely. Uh, yeah, and Jake too. I think they were both pretty generous with like and quick to like. Throw out fun labels that you're like, yeah, that can stick for a couple of years. And t- well, unless well, egg dick well, comes along. <laughs>
15: yeah, that, it
0: just always stuck out to me as, like, you're really going with that. You're really, that was oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Egg, egg roll was a classic, like oh my Egg Eggman, Eggy,
2: oh, Eggs. Any good. any version of egg, scrambled egg. Eggy, yeah, that's good. All of it, yeah. Did um the teachers ever pick up on that? <laughs> and start. I, I remember
0: one time, I forget who it was, but yeah phil or somebody was like hey egg roll and and the teacher just what
2: just confused and (laughs) makes them feel so out of the loop it's like almost like when you when you see like a new artist on an mtv uh like on a vmas and you're like fuck dude who is that like that's probably what the teachers were feeling when they're like egg roll is that hey don't they mean egg dick like who is this kid (laughs) I thought it was hectic.
0: I'm trying to keep up.
2: <laughs> this is personally great for me because I've written about 60 different uh, New Amsterdam log lines. And I, was, <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to get a chance to hoping to throw at you. <laughs> pitch them, and now I got three seasons' worth of chances. It's kind of like, uh, you know. Yeah, um, one of, one of them is going to make it. I mean, just on a law of averages alone. Oh, yeah. well, great. Well, let me just go ahead and read you a few here real quick. Okay, great, um, great. Okay, guy walks into 7-Eleven, gets head blown off. Uh, okay. Second one: guy sprains ankle getting out of Uber, fucks Uber driver. Uh, the third one: guy has kid psych. Fourth one: um, <laughs> guy gets divorced, then remarried, then divorced again, then starts pinball machine arcade company. Great. Right. That, that one I think I wrote when I was half asleep. Guy yeah. eats pizza. <laughs> guy eats pizza, wakes up in ocean. So look, so I can email you right. these directly. Yeah, no but- good. Email's
0: fine. Um, you can text them. Uh, if you want to just write them down and put them in a <laughs> bottle and just send it out to see, and it should at some point reach. You know what?
2: <laughs> I'm picking up on your sarcasm, Egg Dick, and I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> this is me. Look, look at him, stupid dumb off. guy Ray. All right, <laughs> equally clever. Dude, I'm getting days. triggered. Well, that does it for the part one best of ALN 2020. Part two coming out next week. Hope you guys had a good time. And enjoyed uh, the year that was 2020 in the About Last Night podcast world. Uh, part two is just as stacked, if not more. So I can't wait for you guys to listen. Share this episode. Uh, give it a five-star rating. Comment on the iTunes page. Send me uh, a DM at Adam Ray Comedy on Instagram. Comment on the uh, picture on Instagram. Tell me what your favorite moments were. And uh, we got some free uh, Adam Ray merch going to be sent to some few lucky commenters or DMers. So hit me up and tell me what you loved and you might have some treats coming your way. I love you guys. Part two coming next week. Be good.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.